What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking Out My Ass Podcast. If you are listening to this, please do me a fat favor and subscribe, write a review, and share on your social media platforms to grow the show. It would mean a lot to me. Gracias de nada. My guest today is definitely one of the greatest people I know. He is a college graduate in San Jose State with a bachelor's degree in kinesiology. He emphasizes on movement, science, with a focus on exercise physiology. He has been a trainer for five plus years. He also holds a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and an MMA fighter. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Joseph Ochoa. Joey, 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 Joey. Hey, baby. What's going on, you handsome motherfucker? Man, this is so intimate. <laughs> and it's like you're whispering in my ear. It's kind of like the good old days when I just whisper in your ear while I beat your ass. <laughs> Bro, it is so damn good to see you, man. Oh, man, it's good to see you. It's been two years. Bullshit. Two years. That's some bullshit. Yeah, two years this summer. Yeah. I mean, obviously, one year we're not going to count because the world decided to hit pause. Yeah. You know, which isn't a bad thing, you know? I remember you came in town, uh, San Jose, but you were like, obviously, like, you were with your family and you're like, hey, man, like, you know, I wa- we wanted to hang out, but... You know, we didn't. You didn't want to put your family at risk, and so yeah, on and so yeah, forth, yeah. which I totally respect. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, you know, my dad is in his mid, oh, in his late fifties. Damn, he's in his late fifties. My mom is in her mid fifties. They're both still working, so yeah. it's like, you know, I. It's funny because, uh, you know how there's like this whole thing about the vaccines and everything, right? Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> the way I saw it was more like, or at first I was like, why do I need this? I'm healthy. I'm taking my precautions. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do or everything I'm told, whatever. Then I thought about it. I was like, because fool, you're flying in a tube. And then there's like that compressed air, like that filtered air in there. And then you're going to be in a house with your parents for the next three days. Yeah. You're not doing this for yourself, bro. You're doing this for them. Mm -hmm. Like, don't think that, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Yeah. No, it's not just me. I got to think about. Yeah. It's my parents. Like, the hell? Like, who wouldn't do everything for their parents? You know, like, you know, obviously certain things are different with some people. But, like, if they're willing to do a lot of shit for you, do the do something for them back. Like, yeah. Reciprocity. Yeah. Like, it's funny because one of my cousins, he um, he came back from college and um, he brought back. He had COVID. Oh, without telling anybody. And we had Christmas. symptomatic or something? No, he I don't. I We found out after. Because there was Christmas. I think this was 2020 Christmas. Okay. Yeah, 2020 Christmas. He gave everybody COVID. Yeah. Oh. Everybody. That's my grandparents, my, oh, my mom, my brothers. But, dude, luckily, luckily, yeah, everybody, was, everybody was fine. Okay, good. Thank God. Like, it's funny because I didn't get it. And then when I found out that my family got it, yeah. my mom told me, because I usually go see my family every yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. And um, she was like, hey, don't come over this weekend because uh, we all have COVID. Your brothers do, like yeah. I do. And I was like, oh, fuck. And, but I still went. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was wearing her mask. But I was like, hey, mom, like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I kind of want to just like see what's going on here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm just, I was around them. I was hugging yeah. them. I was still kissing them, yada, yeah. yada. Um, and then I came back home and I got tested and it was negative. Yeah. It was so a trip. It's funny. It's funny because like, you know, I mean, I'm not an epidemiologist i'm not a virologist or anything like that yeah but like it's just interesting how how different it hits different people yeah like, man you know like for example right <clears throat> like me i was 
basically am asymptomatic except for I have I had really bad body aches, I had really bad headaches, and I was just fatigued. Yeah. And you would think it's just like, oh, I'm just sore, I'm just tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm doing nothing, and yeah. I feel like, you know, like those days where we're like, all right, we're going six rounds straight. <laughs> it felt like that. Yeah. Like, I'm out of breath, and I'm just like, whoa, what's going on? But I'm not like, my lungs weren't bad or anything. I didn't yeah. have a fever or whatever, yeah. but, you know, and then my uncle in the Philippines, he was hospitalized. Fuck. Yeah, he's good now. Yeah. But he was in the hospital, I think, for like a week. Because, I mean, shoot, you think, people think it's bad out here. Man, I have like, I guess, a first hand perspective of like how other places are dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. My mom just had on the news in the Philippines and like 4,000 people have died in the last like, I think, week. That's crazy. Like, that's a lot. That's that's scary, bro. My my (laughs) uncle just got out of the ICU. He was on a ventilator oh, and everything man, from COVID, tough. but he was good. I was worried about that because like usually when they put, yeah, you know, they get all the way that that that, that deep. Far. But see, that's the good thing, right? Like, I mean, I guess going back to how we started, like maybe they have a vaccine for them whenever yeah. they get there. You know, they shoot them up. But I I recently got the vaccine yeah. a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and it hit me bad. Well, it's because you're healthy. So, but like I, it's because it it hurt me probably because I was like I haven't been sick in years yeah, yeah, and yeah. I forgot the feeling. <laughs> And so I was, you're, you're in your bed, like, dude, I was in, yeah, <laughs> but there was nobody here. <laughs> Usually when I got, the last time I got sick when I was a kid bro. and wow. I was like, yeah, bro. I don't remember the last time I was sick. You're wild, dude. I mean, yeah, me too. I guess it's been like a, maybe a couple of years. We get the sniffles, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. but not like, oh my, no, my yeah, body, yeah. Ate, bro. I had body. I had, yeah. I was so sore to the point wait, where wait, I was, was like, this your, was this your second dose? I only got the one. Oh, the, the worst the one. one shot? Yes. Oh, okay. Everybody at work was telling me, that's the worst one. <laughs> yeah, apparently I got the bougie one per yeah. usual. You know, I got the Pfizer one, but I got I got to get the second one. And Still? Yeah. Fuck. But the thing is, I got one. So yeah. I got the second one. And then um, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, just from the people I've spoken to, I mean, like, you know, some, some of them are credible, credible sources. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's, it's not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> the way you said it was funny. <laughs> well, I mean, because I mean, you know, like if you're gonna if you're gonna ask somebody questions or you're gonna get information from somebody, they better know yeah. the shit. Yeah, we're not agreed. Gonna, you know, we're not gonna, you know what I mean. Like, if somebody was to ask me about, I don't know, fucking jujitsu. Yeah, I'm probably a fairly credible source. Yes, yeah, I'd go to you for yeah. like you know but information. If, if you were gonna ask me like, hey, what is the political stance on the Middle East? I'd be like, <laughs> uh. America, yes. fuck yeah! You know what I mean, like, no, but, oh, yeah, I mean like, you know, like I said, from the people that I've spoken to about the vaccine and whatnot, it, I mean, every vaccine is like it's like a dead, dead piece of the virus, right? Mm. So your body still has to combat that, yeah. And science, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the, your body goes through this thing called homeostasis, where you have to be at an even. Right, it's balanced. Yeah. When you tip that scale, now this is just physiology. When you tip that scale, your body has reactions to it, meaning your immune response. So it's like you getting that like one day of sickness is equivalent to say somebody like with a live COVID virus in them mm-hmm. to just like that that whole shebang where they gotta go through being sick for X for X long and all that stuff. So yeah. Anyway, this is this started really dark. This is not yeah. How, we we yeah, this is not how we thought it was going to start. That's the whole point of this fucking podcast. Talking about my ass podcast, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just talking all that shit. Yeah. Dude. So before I go uh, dig deep into what like everything I want to ask you, um, I kind of want to just start. Want to start from the beginning 
of like how Joey became Joey. And if you want to start with your childhood. Ooh, I love it. It's like therapy. <laughs> Therapy's good for you, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it is. This is really good. This is therapeutic. Yeah, this is actually a therapeutic because we're just talking. Um, all right. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I was born in the Philippines. And um, I actually lived there until I was about nine years old. Uh, heavy Catholic family. Yeah. Bro, heavy Catholic family. I, I went to private school. Actually, it's funny. My mom, according to my mom, I've been in school since I was three years old. Damn. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was in school, I guess, like, I was three or something. Was it, I mean, I started talking early, according to her, too. Like, I, started, <laughs> I could see that, yeah. <laughs> you know? I started talking, I guess, when I was, like, I guess, like, somewhere between one and two. I believe her. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think anybody would, Daniel. I think everybody would. But, um. Yeah, but apparently, like, she put me in school right away. It was, like, the school just right around the neighborhood, whatever. And then I was in, like, pre-K. And as soon as I hit pre-K, bro, it was, like, Catholic school. You're in private school right away. Yeah. And then it was, like, trying to kind of, like, breed. You know, there's some people bred for sport. Yeah. I was bred for, like, to be a scholar. Yeah. And it was, you know, obviously, that didn't work out the way that was supposed to go, (laughs) but... It, it gave me a good foundation because, like, you know, I mean, I was a kid. I, what the hell did I know? But it yeah. was more like, hey, memorize this poem. Present it in front of everybody. Yeah. I learned English super early. Mm-hmm. So Eng- English is not my first language. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's cool because, like, when I moved here, oh, well, actually, when I moved to Guam in 1999, um, everybody was like, oh, you have such good English. And I was like, thanks. I watched a lot of Power Rangers. <laughs> Like, that was just it, dude. It was just like, it was so easy to just catch that. Dino Thunder was my favorite series. Bro. All right. I'm about to age myself. But <laughs> in the Philippines, just got you just got to imagine that everything is like three or four years behind in pop <laughs> culture or whatever. Yeah. My very first Power Rangers was the Mighty Morphin one, bro. Yeah. 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 And that was. That's, one, I think that's everybody's when you start. That's how yeah. you like start. You know yeah, what I that's mean? That's how you start. Yeah. I mean, unless you're like freaking 18 now, I guess. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, what, you were holding that? 26. Yes, yeah, so we got five years apart. So yeah, That's so weird. I feel like you're my age. Uh, it's because, you know, I'm jovial. Yeah. I'm youthful. Yes. Plus, man, I ain't going to age, bro. I know, you're definitely not. Yeah. You're definitely not going to age. I'm going to punch in the face as many times as you have probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait, well we don't get hit that much, so. That's true. Ah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, who taught you head movement, bro? Aki, mijo. You did. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not taking credit for nothing. You're good. <laughs> but go ahead and continue with your uh, whole childhood and stuff. Um, so this is actually, moving to Guam actually was like the most uh, transformative, I guess we could say. Because um, in Guam, I was bullied for a little bit, you know, like uh, like fourth grade. I want to say it was like fourth grade. And I just remember like small memories from... <laughs> This dude, shout out Wayne. I don't know where you're at now in the world, bud, but shout out to you. This dude, <laughs> Wayne, would like just straight, um, like, I guess kind of like bully, but not in like the traditional sense. Mm. Kind of like just kind of clown you, roast you at any moment that he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I remember that's kind of where I learned how to like be snappy or like be quick with yeah. and, like how to throw comebacks, you know? Yeah. But... I was still like a little heated little kid because I was like, I was always angry. I don't know why. I was always just like, had a temper. I feel like it's a, like a young male thing. Probably. You know what I mean? Like, I remember, 
every year I was on Guam, <laughs> this is where it's funny. I think up until, I want to say sixth grade, seventh grade, I got into like a fight every single, every single year. Fuck. Yeah. Just, I was the new kid. Yeah. Third grade, I got shoved off the slide. So as soon as I got shoved off the slide, what did you think I did? Yeah. And then fourth grade, um, shoot. Well, I don't remember that. <laughs> but I just remember like I always had to kind of stand up for myself and then fifth grade actually I got into a fight in the classroom fuck <laughs> yeah cause somebody uh, somebody tried to stab me with a pencil in the eye who the fuck does that at what age <laughs> it was fifth grade bro Jesus Christ who has the attention at fifth story. grade like true that story. so it was funny cause you know I mean I'm, like I said I'm pretty snappy at this point <laughs> I talk back pretty uh you know, whatever. Why do you think I don't ever insult you? <laughs> <laughs> because we have an unspoken bond. Yes. We punched each other. So yes. There's no need to talk shit. Yes, exactly. No exactly. You know? <laughs> I have a theory. People that love to talk shit that have never been punched in the face deserve to get punched in the face. Agreed. <laughs> Preach it, brother. Goddamn. <laughs> nah, violence is not the answer. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, you know, it was like one of those growing pains things, you know, like fifth grade, like I said, fifth grade that happened. But ironically, fifth grade, I was also like the number two student mm-hmm. in our graduating class or whatever that may be. Intelligence wise. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that made my mom happy. Yeah. You know? Oh, any parent, yeah. any parent would be happy. And that's kind of like the, the whole thing, right? You want to make mom happy. Of course. And then I went to back to private school, back to Catholic school in sixth grade all the way to eighth grade. That's when more bullying happened. Because, again, I'm the new kid. You know, I we didn't really have much. Um, like, when we first got to Guam, shit. <laughs> first got to Guam, it was just my dad working. Mm. And uh, he was working for, like, $10 an hour or something. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, this was, like, 1999, 2000. Especially in the that. Philippines, too. Well, no, no. That's, it was Guam, Guam, Guam. Guam, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, And then, um, you know, like, they had to make ends meet, all that good stuff. Yeah. Like. I remember I would make a joke like, yeah, you don't really know. You don't really know how far you've gone until you remember that you used to eat three square meals a day. That was just spam rice and eggs. Yeah. And, you know, now it's like something that I do like, man, it's like I'm feeling some type of way. Like, I want to make myself some spam rice and eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, so by sixth grade, you know, my mom got a job at the uh, the hospital in on Guam. And, she, you know, she's been a nurse, like, way before I was born. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> we uh, went back to Catholic school. And so, you know, it was like the tale of the have-nots. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what do you have, what you don't have. But, you know, you don't know that as a kid. No. And, you know, you're just like, you're just there. You're just having a good time. You're doing what you're supposed to do, all that. And I started playing sports again. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I used to love playing basketball. You know, every Filipino kid loves playing basketball. Yeah. And I want to say I was nice, but, you know, I wasn't nice until way later on. <laughs> I I mean, I remember, like, yeah, I think that was, like, the thing my mom gave me, too, was, like, uh, she was, like, yeah, I'm going to enroll you in this basketball camp at your school. And I was, like, that's awesome. Like, I haven't done that in a minute. Yeah. And then, you know, that's kind of where, like, being athletic or an athlete kind of started that's where she noticed it yeah that's yeah. when i started noticing like oh my god i'm, I'm fast yeah oh my god i'm like coordinated yeah and i was like oh shit <laughs> this is cool so yeah i mean i was uh 
I was in Catholic school again back uh, sixth to eighth grade, and then but you know it's like kids you know kids are mean as shit though like yeah. they'll say they'll say the most mean shit and then this was when instant messenger started coming out bro oh damn I was what we were sixth grade uh, two thousand oh shit that was twenty years ago I was like eleven because the only reason why I remember is because in sixth grade was when nine uh, eleven happened yeah and I remember watching that like there. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what the hell just happened? And look at that. Yeah. 20 years later, yeah, this is still something that we have to deal with, right? In the world. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, yeah. Uh, started playing basketball. I was, uh, I was I was back in Catholic school. Kids were, you know, obviously kids are mean. <laughs> Say some things. And then at that point, that's when I really started to notice more like, okay, assimilation, how to fit in. Like, that's when I started learning all that shit. Mm. Like, how do I get myself to fit into these people? Mm. You know, because, like, at first it was like, oh, yeah, he's the new kid. That's exciting. And then it's like, oh, my God, he talks a lot. And it's like, oh, he's really annoying. And I'm like, bro, like, damn, that's mean. Like, yeah. Just because yeah. I'm trying to be friends with y'all. Yeah. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure young me wasn't the uh, most diplomatic and, uh, <laughs> you know, what's a good word for it? Yeah. Um, wasn't the best at making friends with new people because mm. I always think like I'm the shit <laughs> <laughs> or I've always thought like I'm the shit yeah. uh, but you know it, it turned out well like by 7th 8th grade everybody was like super cool whatever and then um, like I said I played sports <laughs> I played like all of them played, played football too right uh, I didn't start playing football till high school high school actually. high school yeah, yeah. Like in, played volleyball you said played volleyball damn and soccer I did cross country and ah, did basketball. Yeah. Holy it was like, shit. Yeah, I was just, I was an active kid, dude. Yeah. And, you know, my mind, in my mind at the time, I was like, I'm going to be the first Filipino in the NBA. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, it's that confidence, you know, where you like, I want to be X, Y, and Z and go to the best level of it. That's cool. How you had that at a young age already, though, because a lot of people don't de- like develop that confidence till like they're like, so late into their life you know so what i mean that's the funny thing is i ne- I never understood where i came from and still like I, I mean I, I have a little bit better grasp of myself now like i yeah. kind of understand myself a little more yeah but at the time like looking back at it like obviously now that we're talking about it too um it just always makes me wonder like, where the hell did i get that yeah like my mom and my dad are not like that they're very like humble mm-hmm. like they're modest yeah but me, I've always had, like, delusions of grandeur, you know? Like, I always wanted to be on top of the fucking mountain. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, as time goes by, that changes, right? Mm-hmm. Your your vision of what that top is changes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, like, fuck, this was, like, what, 6th, 7th, 8th grade. That's 11, 12, 13. So, I'm barely a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. And so, you know, the the next year... I went to Father Duane's Memorial High School, hmm. an all-boys school on Guam, private school. Hmm. So competition is everything. Being on the football team was a big deal. Yeah. Being on the basketball team was was just as much as a big deal. I played both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and as a freshman, uh, oh, actually, on, uh, on Guam, there's only one team. For the high school. So, freshman, sophomore, junior, seniors, they're all on the same team. So, I'm getting, like, the first-hand, like, like, taste of what pride is, what school pride is, what that, like, you know, like, this is your brother, this is camaraderie, this is 
you're, you're, you're fighting for the guy next to you kind of thing. Like that was like instilled in my head. Mm. And of course I'm young, I'm impressionable, you know? So I was like, shit. Okay. Yeah. I like this. Mm. And then I noticed. So playing basketball taught me I was athletic. Yeah. Playing football <laughs> taught me I love to hit motherfuckers. Yes. Combat. Because it was just like th- that first taste of like liberation. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we talk about like when we talk about fighting, it's always like well, when I talk about fighting, at least I'm pretty sure this is the same for you because like we're from the same tree. Very. Um, it's like liberating. There's something about it that just frees you. That inner you, that like, that like part of you that that not everybody knows, that part of you that not everybody thinks or even know that they have, mm. like that was my first taste of like, oh, I like this, yeah. And so it was like, I was like one of four freshmen that actually got playtime or some shit, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously I knew nothing about the rules, I knew yeah. nothing about the sport. <laughs> I was just like, helmet, I look like a Power Ranger, I'm hitting somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need to know. Yes. I just got to go hit someone. And then we got seniors who are like, this has been their life the last four years, trying to tell you like how to play and shit. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know anything. I'm just here to hit people. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that was that was probably the last year. That was the my first year of high school, and the last time I felt that kind of like like strong bond mm-hmm. with people because like the I team, mean, team. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, obviously until our team came along, but. Um, because to this day, those guys are still my friends. Yeah. Like, the guys on, like, my homies on Guam, man. When I went back in 2019, it was like, holy shit. Like, they were like, hey, Joe, what's good, man? How's life? Like, whatever coming home feels like, especially for a person like me who I moved when I was nine. I moved when I was 16. And then I moved again at 27 to SoCal. Like, mm. Home doesn't really have a specific place, man. I've been I've been wondering, you know. But going back to Guam, dude, like I've always called Guam home. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but that feeling of man, these people genuinely do not give a fuck about what I do, how much money I make. What they give a shit about is, hey, Joe's back home. Hey, Joe's here. Hey, hey, let's hang out. Let's hang out. Hey. Hey, bro, come here. Hey, hey, come come have a play. Hey, come have a beer. It's like, it was like genuine. It was real genuine shit. Yeah. And how often do you get that nowadays? You know? it's, very, it's very rare. Yeah. Like very that rare. feeling of just like, this is some genuine shit. Mm-hmm. Like, this is good for my soul. Yeah. Um, but obviously, again, we were kids then, and it wasn't that nice back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in all boys school. I remember somebody fucking put ranch in my fucking locker. And then ranch, actually, yeah, actually, salad dressing. Yeah, actually, here, this is another Ugh. funny one. No, no, no. This happened before the ranch thing. Somebody put rotten food in my backpack. That's nasty. I didn't find out till two days later. Guess what happened when I found out? Wow. <laughs> I got into this big ass fight where the bus depots are at. So on Guam, <laughs> the schools are kind of scattered, right? Mm. There's a bus depot in the middle of. It's not even there anymore, but it's it's in the middle of like the. I, what I could say is like. The the central village on Guam. The towns and villages they mean the same thing on Guam. And when I found out the dude who put rotten food in my bag, I was like, Hey bro, why'd you do that? 
What did you say when I threw an overhand right in his face? And I dropped him and I kept going. Fuck. Uh, this was in high school? This was, this was, I was a freshman in high school. I was like Shit. 14, 15 years old, bro. Damn. I was just like, why do you? Why would you do that? And yeah. I just like snapped that. that just, it just turned on. And I was like. Then after that, my life was kind of like a little bit easier because nobody really wanted to fuck with me for yeah. a little bit until the ranch thing. But, yeah. you know, I mean, like I said, it was. It's an all boys school, you know. We're kids, mm. you know. Things, like, those kind of things happen when you're young. Like it's it's like growing pains. Like yeah. you know, it's like, I don't want to call it rite of passage, but it's like it's one of those things. Really, like, hey, you're growing up. You gotta you gotta have a little bit of experience. Like you gotta learn something about yourself. Like mm. you know, because growing up, what you you question yourself a lot. So much. Yeah, you have a lot of doubts in your mind. You don't know what life is like. You don't know what you're gonna do. All that stuff and. You're thinking you're invincible. You're thinking this is all I, this is all this is all I got. This 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 these are my peak years. Yeah. And in reality, it's like, as life goes on, you learn a lot about, I guess, peaking. Yeah. And then I went to California <laughs> in 2006, and um, that was cool too. Cause then I I went back to public school, and you know that's when I played more football. I thought I was good enough to play college. But then I didn't realize like size is really such a big deal. Yeah, yeah. especially football. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I played, I played defense, so it was like I played linebacker basically for high, in high school. Mm. But obviously, I'm super undersized for that. But I thought I was good enough to play college, so I was like, "That's cool." And then um, I actually transferred to two different schools. I went to Andrew High School, and then I went to Evergreen Valley High School. And my experiences were, you know, I mean, high school experience, bro. Like I. I keep in touch with like a couple people here and there, but other than that, it's like, you know, it is what it is. It's high school. Yeah. And after that came college and college was very, very, I had a very good college experience. Mm. I would say I went to community college first. I actually played football there. So technically I did, I did play college football. <laughs> yeah. You know, technically. <laughs> <laughs> all daddy or something you're like oh, i'm gonna play yeah, yeah, yeah no but i did i did and it's funny because like even uh the coach the coach for Dianza at the time was like man you like to hit people and i was like isn't that the point of the game hey what do you want me to do yeah. i ain't no quarterback i ain't gonna throw my goddamn ball like, you know, like i'm gonna go hit somebody yeah you tell me where to go and i'll go do it and you know it was cool because like then i really started to be like oh i could be myself yeah Cause you know now you're around a bunch of different people from a different like bunch of different backgrounds. Cause I remember in high school, dude, like I was trying to, you know, like I said, like assimilation and trying to like fit in. I was trying so hard to do that. Like it's so weird because it's like a almost contradictory. It's counterintuitive. You want to fit in, but you want to stand out. Yeah. As a kid. Yeah. And it's like, how do you do that? You just want to be involved in a community, you know what yeah. I mean? Like a group, a solid yeah. group, you know but what I mean? But at the same time, you want to be like, yeah, hot. the one that people look at the most. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is like, you know, that didn't work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like as soon as I started college, man, that was when I really started to feel like I could be myself, you know, like I can, I can be an intellectual and an athlete or whatever. And it felt good, man. It felt like, you know, like you took off a level of restraint from yourself and you're just like, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be undeniably me and unapologetically me. And if you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. Oh, well. Yeah. 
And after that one year at JUCO, that's when I started at American Kickboxing Academy. Yeah, I, I'm very curious about that. Like, what made you want to go into fighting? Like, how did <laughs> how did that? Because obviously, like, you when you started football and you realized, like, oh, I, I like to hit people. You know what I mean? I like that contact. And like you said, it was very liberating. So what made you think, like, oh, did you think about boxing or did you think about just straight MMA? Honest answer? Yeah. Well, I guess two-part honest answer. I like watching the UFC. I thought it was like something that was super cool. Like, oh, this is like going to catch on. Yeah. And then I saw BJ Penn and I was like, hey, that guy looks like me. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, shit, I wonder if I could do this too. Yeah. And then the very underlying answer to that question, why did I start fighting? To prove myself that I'm not a bitch. Yeah. Cause not that like I thought anything like that on myself, but it was like one of those things where like, you know, like I said, like, People used to clown me. People used to roast me. People used to bully me, whatever. So, like, you know, people, oh, you a bitch. Yeah. And so, you know, you get conditioned and reinforced like that. Yeah. You start to think, am I? Yeah. Like, is this is this how I react in, like, the heat of battle? Yeah. You know what I mean? Is, it, is this who I am? Like, yeah. are you telling, like, because, you know, you, you put some, you put some, some great, like, you know, some worth, I guess, or value into how people perceive you growing up. Yeah. So, if you get told that over and over again. You know what I mean? Just even if they're just clowning you or even if it's just like trying to hurt you or whatever, like you question that. Mm. And the thing is like, in my mind, I'm like, well now, obviously as an adult, <laughs> like you, you, you think about that and you're like, wait, why would I think of myself that way when I was literally trying to square up with dudes at like 14, 15 years old? Yeah. I was playing football with some big motherfuckers absolutely zero fear in my heart to go against these big motherfuckers. Yeah. And like, wh where would that come from? Like, why would I have that doubt? Yeah. You know, but again, it's that external stimulation or like yeah. external stimuli where you're just like, yeah, you're this, you suck, you're this, you're that. So, yeah, the honest answer to that is that, you know what, I wanted to prove something to myself. Did you, did you go with the intention of like, I want to be a fighter or you just wanted to defend yourself? Because, we we kind of have that in common. I I was like pretty much the same thing. I never got my ass whooped during school, like in my yeah. early days, but I get picked on. Yeah. And when I reached at fifteen is when I started training, and yeah. I was like, I don't want to get fucked with anymore. Yeah. That was Actually, my. That was it too. It's like I right? just want people to leave me the fuck alone. Dude, literally. Yeah. Like nobody, like yeah. even to this day, right now, nobody fucks with me. Yeah, it's kind of a funny thing, right? It's cool, like, though. Yeah, it's cool. It is, because, like, people are like, oh, you're a fighter. Like, oh, my God. And I'm like, I'm not going to... Do anything. Nowhere. Chill. I'm going to out of nowhere try to fight you. Like, yes, I have the skill set. Yes. But are you going to give me, like, five Gs? Today? Yeah. I'll fight you. For yeah. <laughs> Why not? Shit. But, uh... Nah, it was, um... It, honestly, it was just, like, the next big thrill. Yeah. That's also it too Cause like When I started out I met Tenadora and Bothwell I don't know if you remember Bothwell I do I just saw him recently uh, yeah. yeah It was good to see him I remember Tenadora and Bothwell And Tenadora was probably the, I, I don't give him enough credit I really don't I love the guy Um, He Kind of like just Took me in Like he was just very welcoming Now I guess I'm getting ahead of myself again um, <laughs> Coach Trav was the one That kind of Uh really did really took me in at first yeah and um i had a friend that i played football with in high school and his mom knew coach trav because they used to train together and 
how I ended up at AKA was uh, my my friend Andre, his mom took me to took me to AKA, yeah. and then apparently there was this conversation with her and Travin. They said, "Make him a good fighter," and I was like, I I, did, I, I had never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until like Coach Trav told me when I told him, "Hey, I think I'm walking away." Like I, I had those contemplating thoughts of walking away, and he was like, "Man, you come a long way from you know when you first come in and." You know, like, uh, sis and I had that conversation and just make you a good fighter. And I was like, where the hell was this the whole time, the entire time? Like, I wish you could have told me this. Yeah. yeah that yeah. would have been solid motivation. <laughs> but no, nah, I mean, it, it was just one of those things that, you know, I kind of want to try it out, see what it was. I remember the first night I took the MMA class, Ron asked me if I was a wrestler. And I wonder if he asked me that for the sake of asking me if I was a wrestler or because the way I looked at the time, because I was like. 195 195 I was I was coming out of football Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. just um I was doing the kickboxing classes hmm. and I remember I would do two to three kickboxing classes a night for it like shows. 5 days it no shows. 4 days 4 days and then on the 5th day we sparred I remember sparring in that little ring and I remember the first time I sparred with coach Trav hmm. and that was when I learned the weathering the storm method which you're very familiar with me about yeah <laughs> asshole <laughs> um, and it was interesting because he was like i remember the conversation not not entirely in itself but he was saying like the thing that most people fail to understand about fighting is that it's 90 percent mental and he said the reason why i turned it on on you today was to see if you have that quit in you and you don't mm-hmm and I was like, I don't know what you're saying. He's like, I hit you hard once and you kept coming for me. And yeah. He was like, that shows me that you like to fight. That shows me that you can fight. And I yeah. was like, huh. I just thought I shouldn't look like a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So that that just intention just built. Yeah. So That's that kind of built it. Because, I, I mean, I never had like, not that I never had the... Um, the intent to fight i'm a competitive guy i was an athlete my whole life so mm-hmm. you know it was only bound to be there but at what level or what at what level of commitment all these things and man it was interesting because like you know like i said i mentioned tinador and bothwell and they, they've been doing it for a while i think bothwell even had a fight already at the mm-hmm. time and then i started sparring with them and it was like oh this is fun oh man i could actually you know i could probably do this yeah and then 2011 i think was my first smoker tournament where it's just like, you know, just kickboxing. <laughs> I lost that one. Um, it was like a, one of those, like you get two rounds and then I think like, I those. and then like either they give you a third round or like, depends. Like, like I say, if the guy dominates you like twice, it won't yeah, go a third. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. one and one, it'll go a third. That's how that works. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> my very first one, I was excited. Obviously I dropped the D with a leg kick. And I walk off of it, like, after the leg kick, like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, Whatever, yeah. I'm the shit. <laughs> then I got tired. Fuck. Then I got really tired. Yeah. To the point where my hand was just right here, and I'm just, like, getting my head knocked by, that's, like, a That's how it would be. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, it wasn't hurting me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, like, oh, my God, I'm getting knocked out. Yeah. It's, like, I can't do anything. Like, I felt, like, just, like stuck in mud and I'm just getting hit and I'm just trying to move. Yeah. And then after that is when 
I took to heart what Coach Trap said. He said, you're the video game character and I have the controller. Listen to what I have to say and I will get you where you want to be. Yeah. And I listened to every single thing. So it's funny, like when you introduced this idea to me, this podcast, I knew we were going to end up talking about fighting, right? But I will never take credit for what other people have taught me. I'm always going to credit them. Like, of course. Like, sure, uh, you and I both know, and you know, this isn't a fucking flex or being arrogant, but I know I'm smart. Yeah, I know. Right? But I'm not smart because I'm naturally smart. I'm smart because I pay attention to people mm. who know more than I do. I try to observe people who are better than me. And if somebody gives me a, a tidbit of like advice or like whatever. You soak that in. I soak it in. I make it my own. And then I try to redistribute it. Because, yeah. I mean, pay it forward, right? Like, you don't know what people are going through, man. Like, yeah. The beauty of like how it is nowadays, people actually give a shit about our mental health and everything. And... I noticed that the number one thing that alleviates certain things about mental health is knowing that you're not alone, mm-hmm. that you're in it with someone else, regardless yeah. if it's one person or a million people. Because when somebody tells you, hey, man, I understand, how good does that feel? Yeah. You know, like nothing feels better than, than feeling like somebody understands you, what you're going through, who you are, because it's almost unspoken. It's almost like, it's genuine. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you just got to be honest with yourself too. You mm-hmm. know? But, um, yeah, so, um, then I think we developed the amateur team. I think you came in, like, did, did you even get to train with us in the cage room? Uh, the, I went the, into the, the, the front. No, no, no. The one in the back where we got sent in the back is I remember I was, uh, I was 18 mm. when I first came in, 17 or 18. And, um, I remember I was just, I was so nervous because even walking in there, I was like, dude, like I, I see videos of AKA. Yeah. I know who's in this building and yeah. it, it's just a trip, bro. I remember the first day I got there, I drove home because I saw Daniel Cormier walk into the gym. <laughs> I got hell intimidated. I was like, dude, there's, that's a, that's a pro athlete. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Who am I? You know? And I drove back home. But, um, when I got the opportunity to go train with the amateurs, I just remember eyeballs on me. <laughs> Yours especially. <laughs> hey, that wasn't that wasn't more of like my, okay. So this was my mentality about that room. I had to go through two kickboxing tournaments just to get here. Yeah, two yeah. smoker kickboxing tournaments to get here. I had to beg to ask for a fight. Yeah. I had to beg Coach Trav for a fight. I had to be in Myron's ear to be like, "Hey, man, get your brother, give me a fight." Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. in my mind, I was like, "I'm ready. I'm ready to go." Yeah. Like I know what the fuck. I, I know what I what I bring to the table, right? So every single time somebody new came in there, I took it I took it personally, right? Yeah. And like Michael Jordan did, he took it personally, because I worked my ass to get here. Yeah. What did you do to get here? Well, when I was out of the other gym and based out of Hollister, mm-hmm. I fought a tournament at Hillsdale. Mm-hmm. I fought three times. I won twice, and I lost my last during the finals. Okay. And then the reason how I got into AKA is because I didn't have no corner for the second tournament. And that, because my coach couldn't make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So my parents were cornering me. Oh. That's sad. I, my mom and my dad were cornering me. My mom was giving me ice, and my dad was telling me what to do. And they don't know anything about yeah. fighting. Right. So I was just going on reaction. Yeah. You know, and I was young. Yeah. And I was by myself. And I was, I fought three times that day in the AKA HQ. Yeah. And, um, Hav, 
pulled me aside after the, after I won and he kind of asked me, he said, Hey, who, where are you training at? And I told him where I trained in Hollister. Um, he was like, you, where's your coach? I was like, he's not here. <laughs> and he was like, you don't have a coach. I was like, well, he, I do, but he's just not here. He's like, but you're doing a tournament. He's like, and your parents are cornering you. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so he kind of gave me a whole tour yeah. of the whole gym. Okay. And you were less intimidated by that. Yeah. And it introduced it to me. Like he was like pretty much like show me around as if like, I don't know. Like I, like I, he's recruiting you pretty. It felt yeah. like that. It yeah. felt like a recruitment kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we started talking about memberships and like how much yeah. it was going to be. And I was just like, I think I can do this. Like I can commute. And I lived in San Juan at the time. So I would, I would, you, you were living in San Juan until what a few years ago. Yeah. Too. Yeah. That's yeah, true. So I was there for, I was always commuting, like dedicating myself to that. And then, when I was training, taking classes so much, and then I went, uh, I heard there was like an amateur team. Yeah. And uh, I talked to the coaches there yeah. uh, first. I let them know like my background, like how yeah. I, I did two tournaments already. Yeah. Um, I had I was training for three years at yeah. the time. Uh, and they just kind of wanted to see what I was about, yeah. you know? So I was like, okay. And they're like, well, just come into the room and let's work. I was like, all right. And then when I went in there, it was just everybody was in there. Everybody looked in there like experienced already. Like you guys were comfortable in that room. Like that room was your guys' home. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just I mean, it oozed out of you guys, yeah. you know? And uh I remember <laughs> I remember I just remember me lacing up my gloves and putting on my headgear and my mouthpiece and just getting ready to spar. And we were we me and you were like the same height. Yeah, you know, the same height. I was just different weight, cl- just yeah, different weight class. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't have a coach st- yeah. still because yeah. I was new. And I remember you were with coach Myron yeah. and, uh, <laughs> I was like, Oh, he's giving him pointers, obviously telling him what to do. And I mean, tell, you could say what Myron said. It wasn't pointers. So <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about that room is, um, I guess this is like one of those old school ideas that there has to be like an enforcer. Yeah. Like somebody to welcome people to see what they're really about. It makes sense. Yeah. But I mean like, yeah. Cause I mean, like you said, we, we were in that room. We shoot. You came in what? Like 2013. I was 18. So yeah, I think it was. Yeah. 2013. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that means a handful of us already had like at least one fight. Yeah. Like yeah. Amateur fight. Yeah. Right? And that means I, I had my first amateur fight two years after I started training, right? And I think Tenadora had already fought as well. And it was Tenadora. I remember the Muskison people that were there was Tenadora, Jory, Victor, me, and Corey, I think, yeah. at the time. Oh, and Tom. Alex was in there, too. Remember the little Alex, the boxer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, good, yeah. too. Look at, look yeah. At, yeah, yeah. So, um... <laughs> I just remember that we'd always have guys that try to come, like a UFC event will happen and they'll see like a guy from AKA or whatever. And then some guy's going to show up and be like, Oh, I want to fight. Yeah. And then cool. Yeah. Show me. Yeah. <laughs> and so what, what's funny is when you came in, you know, like it wasn't like, Oh, who is this guy? It was more like, okay, who's the dude that wants to fight? It was probably no, like, like from my intention, like when I was experiencing that room, every time a new guy came in, I was like that thing. Like, what did this guy do to, to, get, to here? get here? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I had that like that yeah. look also. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure I got those looks when I came in. It's, yeah. it's reasonably. I mean, yeah. I understand. So. But I was like, I had the intention to fight mm-hmm. because I, like I said, I entered fighting to just 
not to be fucked with. And then yeah. when I started training and started doing tournaments, I was like, Hey, I'm not I'm that pretty good. At I'm not this. that yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't think I was going to do like, I, I didn't think I was going to get my hand raised like this yeah, and like yeah. against another human being. Yeah. So it's weird. And it's then that, it's that uncertainty, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. you go into an amateur room of guys who already had fights. It's like, Oh, this is, this is a new level. Yeah. And then when, when I sparred, it was, I felt that, you know? <laughs> so what he was trying to say <laughs> It wasn't pointers Myron was telling me. Myron had this weird uh, saying to me. He would say, hey, Joey, green light. I don't know why I did this all the time. Fucked like, up. Are you, are you sure? <laughs> I'd be like, are you sure? And he'd be like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm like, all right. You say so. The time I was, what, like 165, I think. I was, like, in pretty good shape. <laughs> Hardly get tired. <laughs> and <laughs> I put a beating on you. <laughs> badly like badly. Bad beating. Like, yeah. i wanted i wanted you to suffer yeah i and did it was like it was one of those things where like <laughs> i'm gonna put you in a corner and i'm not gonna stop hitting you yeah. i'm sorry that's just what's gonna happen yeah and the thing to me is like it shows me a lot more about you when you come back after i did that to you yeah and guess what he did it for four more days <laughs> for your audience i beat his ass four days in a row and that's how he gained my respect and then after that, you just kind of like, even on my phone till this day, your name is Little Dan, aka. Yeah. Because you became my little brother at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Because in my mind, I was like, okay, this kid took, this kid took like multiple beatings from me. And he keeps coming back and keeps wanting to learn. Yeah. And it's funny because I got, I had, I feel like I have a lot of big brothers like you, Jeremy, Victor, you know what I mean? You guys were always just by my side, man. But like, it's just when me and you would, would communicate on like the whole pointers, but we would also not just talk about fighting, but also outside, wow. outside stuff. Well, you know, I, love too. You know I what I mean? You, I saw you as like this kid who was just like, it's funny. I have a friend like that now. His name was John Robles yeah. and he was Clay Guida's training. One of, oh, Clay, shit. one of Clay Guida's main training partners. Yeah. Like I get not necessarily back in the days, but while they were fighting still. Yeah. And he said this to me recently. I was like, Hey man, I'm really glad that like, you know, we got close really fast. And I was like, you know why? Because you kind of remind me of the knucklehead that I once was. Yeah. And then yeah. now that we're talking about this, I'm thinking about like, damn, that was you. Like you, uh, like you remind me of the knucklehead that I once was while I was still a knucklehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I knew that that you wanted this. You had a strong passion for it. The funny thing about you is, I never had to push you, like put you up. Yeah. I had to always pull your feet down. Yeah. You know, that was kind of like. Fighting to me was such a, like I said, it's like 90-10, right? It's like 90% cerebral. But at the same time, it's like perception of it. The perception of fighting is that, oh, you have to be tough. You have to be this. You have to be that. Aggressive. Like, sure, you do. You want to win, though? Because if you want to win, you got to be smart. Yeah. The shit, you know, it's not a game in the sense that, like, oh, it's like basketball. It's a game. Like, no, no, it's it's a game of attrition. Yeah. Where it's like, you have to understand what you're dealing with in front of you. And especially MMA, because MMA is multifaceted. Yeah. You can be the greatest striker in the world and still lose. Yeah. You can be the greatest grappler in the world and still get knocked out. Yeah. Right? It's so, fighting is so unpredictable. Yeah. Especially in MMA. Do you like in boxing, you can kind of predict it a little bit. Yeah, right? yeah. Kickboxing, you can kind of predict a little bit. Muay Thai, you can kind of predict a little bit. Jiu-Jitsu, you can predict a little bit. But MMA is but a variety MMA, of it's like, dude, like... Hodolfo Vera, he was like a, I don't know, like multiple time world champion. That dude from Alpha Male fucking submitted his ass because yeah. he got tired, right? So it's just so so diverse and multifaceted the way MMA is, and it, you know, it's just 
you have to be able to be one, be conscious of what you're doing Two, be very, very fluid with what you're doing. Like, you know, we, we still have teammates now that still fight like Nolan. I love that guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's still fighting. He's still doing his shit. Hector, a guy that I fought, who's a friend of mine from college. Yeah, he's, he's still, still fighting. Yeah. He just fought recently. Yeah, they're yeah. both at Combate Americas. Yeah, like, yeah. Good for them, dude. Like, I applaud those guys. Eric Luna, he's still a professional Muay Thai fighter. And this dude commutes like 100 miles a day, I think. And he's still running. Like, I tell... I DM him like I DM him, like yo man you're an inspiration to me because I I don't know if I still want to fight it's still in my head to want to, but at the same time like man life is moving man and yeah I just don't know I I, I don't know, but yeah. do I want to yeah, but is do I have like the level of commitment to put back into that to that bucket, that I really don't know I honestly yeah. do not know I, I I was talking to um uh Brianna Van Buren's brother Tone. Okay. And uh, we had that conversation because he asked me, like, because I was letting him know, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not fighting. Again? Yeah, he, he kind of asked me, yeah. And I made a video about it recently, yeah, too, yeah, you know yeah. what That's I mean? That's why I was like, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I was letting him know, I think I'm going to battle with it uh, for the rest, uh, until I'm pretty much young at that state. Like, yeah. until I'm in my, probably, maybe my early 30s, or unless I'm just, like, at oh, peace with it. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's true, though, because, like, me, I just feel like I'm athletically there. I'm mentally yeah. there. You know what I mean? I feel more dangerous than ever right now. So, but like you said, can I put all this stuff aside that everything I'm working on right now just to commit to a, another yeah. training camp and a fight? I'm like, yeah. do I really want to put myself through that again? Yeah. And and I'm just really not big on the whole brain damage thing either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, I but like I said on the video, I miss it. I, I love it and I always will, but... At this moment, man, I I just I feel better that I, I I just I'm happy without it. You know what I mean? But like I said, when I listen to old walkout songs that I used to walk out to, <laughs> I literally envision myself walking out to the cage, like slapping people's hands. You, you know what I mean? So intense too. Yeah, I remember in my last fight, you were the main and I was the co-main. Yeah, and you were like intense the whole time. That I, I didn't find myself. In an amateur, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, my right. last, my last amateur fight is the first time where I was smiling. That one. That one. Oh, that was the first time you were smiling. Was I, was, a, I was trying to get your ass to relax the whole way. But since I met you, actually. I know. But that was the time. That was the first night where I felt free, in mm. the cage, in mm. in chaos. Mm. That's where I felt free. And then after that, I went pro, and when pro hit. It just felt more free. Yeah, I felt I felt like a loosey goosey yeah. man. I was just like, dude, yeah. like let's go. You know what I mean? It just and like training with my brother recently, yeah, getting yeah. prepared for uh, for the fight. It just it just got elevated when I'm not even training consistently in yeah. MMA. It's just because things that I see yeah, other fighters do, and then yeah. I put it in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like adding the tools just by watching. Yeah. You know, and I'm doing yeah. things that I never even used back then, which is crazy. Well, I I got two things to say, but one, <laughs> what what you what you just said, I actually spoke to Ron recently. Probably like, ooh, like whatever the last tournament was that was in Southern California, that not like pre-COVID. We were talking about it, and I told him, like, yeah, you know what? I still got the itch, and, you know, like, I guess kind of mixing the two things I want to talk about. Like, the one regret I have is that, I mean, it was kind of out of my control, too, but the one regret I have is not going pro. That's the one big regret that I have because, like, I, I thought I could have done it. You were literally right there. Uh, yeah, literally right there. 
And it's not like, was I trying to be like world champ? Honestly, as soon as you walk into that, that red room at AKA, you understand your fucking place. Yeah, your lane. Yeah, you understand who the fuck you are, what you bring to the table. Because yeah. you are now staring down NCAA wrestlers. You yeah. are now staring down world champions in like Sambo or wrestling of some level. Yeah. Or world champions in a Sancho or boxing or whatever it may be. Yeah. And you're over here running on athleticism and confidence. It's not enough. It's not enough, right? Yeah. But then the thing is, it's the time you invest in yourself, the time you invest in learning the techniques. Like, my saving grace was I had decent jiu-jitsu. And I will say decent because I now know what good is. Yeah. I am well aware of what good is. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, that's one of my regrets for it because, like, I mean, I, if I could have done it. But, yeah. You know. Um, and just, you, is that itch there just because you still it's still lingering in you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, Oh, I could just, and that's another question I have. Like, do you, that itch that you have, is it, do you want to hit that one more and then call it? Or do you want to hit one and see how you felt with that one? And then great question. Um, in my mind, I want to do maybe one to three. Okay. Cause I'm 31, man. You're not, fucking young, dude. But I don't have delusions. You know how you know how this is, though. You know this game is unforgiving. Yeah, but especially you know athletically prime fighters are in their 30s. Yeah, yeah. You're, when you're in your 30s, you're in your yeah, fucking prime. Yeah. That's when you literally like know your body, know yourself. Like, dude, that's <laughs> like right now. I'm 26, and I I've never felt better than ever. But I can't imagine when I'm 30. That's one aspect of it, though, because yeah. you're talking about your athletic physical prime. You also have to deal with, not you, but the thing that I come to find out too now that I'm living life is that you have to set up your life. Yeah. You know, like. You have to create assets. This shit, this this shit's not handed to you. Like everybody talks, oh, no handout. But like, no, I want to build something for myself. Yeah. And to build something for myself takes time, takes effort, takes network. That's the one thing that people don't understand. Like build your network. If you build a network, you now have a group of people that you can either, one, be influenced by, two, you influence them in some way. Because everybody, even the most expensive, or sorry, even the wealthiest person in the world can learn something from you, right? And to me, where I'm at now in life, it's like, I've met people, like I had a client before, dude is in commercial real estate, global commercial real estate. So his net worth is in the hundred millions. He and I had extensive conversations about fighting and the things that were happening socially or mm-hmm. in society at the time. This dude who made his fortune in 15 years, because I asked him that, like, hey, Jay, when did you when did you start getting wealthy? He's like, you know, it was like somewhere around 40. And he was 55 at the time to start working with him. Yeah. He was asking me about a bunch of shit that he didn't know about. Yeah. And you know what? Those kind of people are so successful because they're often asking questions. They remain students. Yeah. Yeah. They're often asking questions. So to the same point that you were saying, like, I'm 31. Yeah, I'm still young. I can still do it. Sure. But then what am I taking away from the other parts of my life? Yeah. You know, like my life is now focused on the next phase. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I have the itch. I want to fight. I want to do these things. Yes. But I, I'm kind of just letting it present itself for me because mm-hmm. like right now like about um i want to say 12 13 weeks ago 
remember May 19th was I had shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, it's from an injury actually from fighting, <sighs> which I just let it linger yeah. and never really gave a shit about it because it, was, it didn't hinder me from doing the things I want to do. Mm. And then it started hindering me from doing the things I want to do. So then I was like, fuck it, let's get yeah. it fixed. I've been through a bunch of like little mental roller coasters and emotional roller coasters while this has happened. And the interesting thing about it is like, I've kind of put a lot of uh, value in certain things. Like I will never take for granted being able to move, mm-hmm. like being able to work out, being able to go run, being able to lift or I guess work out, being able to hit the bag, being able to train jujitsu. You know, I'm never going to take that shit for granted anymore. Our bodies are meant to move, man. Yeah, you know? Because the thing is, I've never been in, in like, the most low mental state, except for days where I'm so frustrated that I couldn't do something that I was just like, this should be automatic for me. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's like my mindset changed so much, it, because like you know that was the first thing that I got from surgery is that my mindset changed so much because I just don't want to take anything for granted anymore. Yeah, and then other things came up like certain mental things that I've had like with myself and you know I'm gonna shout her out uh, Astral Gong Yoga in LA in uh, North Bray Avenue um, Brittany Overcamp I used to work with her at the bars <laughs> it's a whole nother thing we can talk about <laughs> <laughs> We're, we actually gonna we have a topic oh, of women so awesome <laughs> uh, Brittany Overcamp she has been a friend of mine um, since Probably around the same time as you, like 2013, 2012, something like that. Because that's when I worked at Trace Gringo's, uh, the formerly Trace Gringo's in downtown San Jose. And she's really big in, she was always big into um, astrology, right? And, you know, in my opinion, I can't be like, I can't close my mind off on certain things. Like if someone has something to say, so listen, hear them out a little bit. Why not? Because what's the worst that can happen? You think they're wrong? Okay, cool. Walk away. Yeah. Right. I think that's, I guess, on a tangent. I think that's what's wrong with a little bit with society today. We don't know how to disagree. Yeah, yeah but I, I'm something that I've learned. I'm like, you, you can learn so much from having conversations with people you disagree with. Yeah. You know you what just, I mean? You just kind of like, you know, don't go in your echo chamber. Just like ask questions. Yeah. And be open to to what someone else has to say because yeah. you never know. Like, hey, like this person thinks X. And you're against X, but next thing you know, it's actually Y, and yeah. Y makes sense. Yeah. So with her, she was, you know, this is a plug for her too. I mean, she um she does these like astrology readings, right? But she kind of bases it off of your own personality, who you are as a person, and all that things. And um, we kind of went over a little bit, like you know, how you asked me about my childhood and it's therapeutic to talk about it. A little bit about like trauma, trauma growing up. And I always talked about um, some things that I've always kind of wrestled with. And one of them has been like body dysmorphia, self-image. Okay. And um, we went real deep. Um, All right. So that was one of the things or like body dysmorphia was one of the things that Brittany and I talked about. And... You know, it's like this this image of yourself. I mean, I, you know, I don't know the pure definition of it, but it's like this image of yourself and what you think your body should look like. Right? Yeah. I was always a skinny kid up until we lived on Guam. 
And like I said, we were we weren't we didn't have that much money, so like getting pizza on a Friday night was like a big deal. Oh yeah. And I remember fourth grade, so that we could save money, my dad would buy me like those you know those dollar menu burgers in yeah. Ronald's. Yeah. He would buy me that, or he would buy that the night before, give me that as my as my um my lunch for the next day. Yeah. And this was a whole fourth grade, and I wasn't playing sports or nothing, so I was gaining weight, right? I was living on a tropical island, bro. And this was, and by the time I was in high school, you know, we were all boys school, whatever. We would play basketball every lunchtime, and we yeah. would play. And I had PE as my homeroom, so I would play basketball twice a day. Yeah. So that means we fucking taking our shirts off, or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> these motherfuckers all got abs, bro. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? So I remember, and I've shared this story a couple times with a couple people. When I was in fourth grade, I would do like 500 sit-ups. Fuck. Just so I can have abs. This was fourth grade, bro. Like, it stems so deep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it, it just kind of exponentially got, like, more. It, it got exponentially more the older I grow up. Or the the When I grew up, the older I got. Because, like, now I'm playing, well, you know, like, now I'm in the United States. People look different, whatever, whoop, whoop, whoop. And then when I got to AKA, dude, everybody was in shape, bro. Everybody had a six pack. Yeah. Like everybody was fucking jacked and ripped and whatnot. I'm not jacked, but like everybody was ripped. Everybody was lean. Like you, you yourself. You know, everybody in that room looked like they looked like a fighter. And I was the guy who had a little bit of fucking love to share and all that shit. And I remember, I remember every every training camp I would have, you'd be like, "How'd you drop so much weight so fast?" And I was like, well, I have weight to drop. Yeah. Compared to y'all. Y'all didn't have weight to drop. Yeah. And the thing is, I was just like, you know, I just started doing more things. And even more so now that I am a personal trainer, right? I have my degree in exercise physiology movement science. Mm -hmm. My career is to try and get people to be living healthy and, you know, be involved in their own fitness no matter what capacity it is. I'm around people who are like, you know, people that you could fucking see at bodybuilding shows and shit. Yeah. So that, that weighs heavy on my mind as far as like one of my insecurities. And therefore it tells me in my head like, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you need to do this. Oh, you need to do that. Oh, you know, whatever. And don't get me wrong. Like there was a time in my life where I, you know, after fighting that I didn't do healthy things. You know, I wasn't eating healthy. I wasn't, I was drinking a lot more. Like while we were fighting, I hardly drank. Mm -hmm. I wasn't fucking doing that. Yeah, me neither. So, you know, it's like one of those things that I have to, like, I'm still working on it, you know? I just kind of get it out of my head and just be really comfortable with myself. But as soon as I accepted that, excuse me, as soon as I accepted that, it felt liberating. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'm not going to put any more pressure in myself to look like these guys, you know, like... I'm just going to accept this because this has gotten me this far. Yeah, man. This has given me so much. And at the same time, like, if you are going to come to me for personal training or fitness advice or whatever, and you're going to judge me based off how I look and not what's in my brain. Nope. The first thing I do for me personally is your intelligence. That's what I look for first. You know what I mean? And I would. Like, ever since I've known you, you've always been that big brother for me. That's why I'm like, if I need Joey... For something, I'm going to call you because I know you may not have the full answer, but you have something to give. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but, that's, and that's the thing too, right? Like, again, back to the whole society thing. Everybody wants to have answers now. 
Yeah. Everybody wants to be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Their problem with being the smartest guy in the room is you're going to look real fucking stupid if you're wrong. <laughs> and so it's like, it's always good to share something, right? But ask more questions than you do share. Don't assume things. You want to try and understand what's going on around you before you say something. It's kind of like fighting. If somebody moves around a lot, what do you do? You try to recognize, okay, which way is this guy going? What's he trying to do? And how is he going to do it? So you anticipate two to three things first. And then once you see a certain level of reaction, okay, there's the reaction that I wanted. Let's try that again. Make him do his little dance. Boom, 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 counter, get out. Right? Same thing with life. Same thing with life and especially verbal jiu-jitsu, I guess we could say. Mm -hmm. That's what happens in social media now. Yeah. When people start saying things that you're like, well, I disagree with that. The first thing you need to ask yourself is, okay, why do I disagree with that? And then the very next thing you need to do is, okay, what information are they presenting that's more factual or emotional? Yeah. And then after that, you then ask a question. So, hey, so why do you think like this? Or how do you know that it's like that? Mm. If somebody tells you, well, I've done my research. Ah. It's not enough. Okay. I need more than that. Like what, what research? At what level? Yeah. What capacity? Yeah. And if somebody tells like, well, I watched this video and then there was this article. I was like, well, what's, what's the article from? Yeah. Do you, do you recognize the name? Yeah. Do you recognize the name? You know? Is there more than one? Is there more than one person on that article? You need multiple sources, man. Yeah. When people rely on just one source, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. not enough. <laughs> and then it leads you to this level of misinformation. Now, it's like, it is what it is. I mean, shit, that's the, that's the world we live in, right? Yeah. I, I always wanted to ask people like, hey. Could you read the entire collection of encyclopedia if there was no internet so that you can justify these things that you think about? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the heavy answer is no. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So with Brittany Overcamp, we kind of went over some, some trauma and all these things. And, you know, like I, I really kind of dove into the body dysmorphia and, you know, I'm really more accepting of it now because, man, the only thing you control in your entire life is your thoughts and your feelings and your actions, right? Yeah. But the very first thing you always need to do is be kind to yourself. Always. Like, you not necessarily like, oh, I'm the shit or oh, I'm the best in the room. No, no, yeah. no, no. It's like, know that you've done so much in your entire life. Or like, you know, you're 26, I'm 31. We... We've gone what? Like, I've gone three decades of living. You've gone two decades of living. Yeah. We've accomplished a lot of things for ourselves, right? Do not discredit the things that you've done because you haven't gone to the things that you want to do yet. Yeah, man. Because that is painful. That's heavy. Yeah. And you will beat yourself up till the day you die if you do not change that about yourself. Yeah. Everyone. Because, you know... like I said, it's like right now, or especially those first three months in COVID, like everybody was just arguing with each other, yelling at each other, whatever. But I think people miss that we tend to project a lot of our shit on everything. Yeah. Like a lot of people that are like question athletes. Oh, Simone Biles. Oh my fucking God. Simone Biles. How people were like, oh, she quit. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, She's yeah. not a goat. That tarnishes her legacy. Duh, 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 duh. And I'm like, so you're saying that the most decorated gymnast, Olympic athlete of all time, who's 
gym, like gymnastics has to change their standards yeah. because of her is now a failure because yeah. she took the time to think about herself first. Yes. Do you know what's going on in her head? Do you understand the capacity at which, at which this is going on? Because if you have something to say to her, I hope to God that you have a resume. It doesn't even have to be like hers. A resume for your life that, in my opinion, is relative to that. Because, the, you know, people go through things, man. The people who are the ones criticizing are the ones who've never been an athlete, let alone a pro athlete, let alone a, an Olympic athlete. You know how elite that is? Yeah. You know how you have no life, my man? Yeah. Literally. Yeah. That you think, dude, these people who are like the reporters and the analysts, all this stuff, all these, you're supposed to make headlines with the stuff that you say when you're a journalist and so on and so forth. But I'm like, you guys really need to stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. Like me, I don't know nothing about cars. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pretend I know some, like I know how to fix an engine. Absolutely not. (laughs) I (laughs) I stay in my own lane. You know what I mean? These like these people who... When I saw all these articles pop up because like she left for her reason, so on and so forth, and uh, yeah, there was all those comments like, "Oh, she's like you said, she's not no go. She's like, how could she do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like, you only compete every four years. It's like, yeah. think about what she did in those four years, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Constant preparation. Yeah. And you know why? What's funny too? I guess like most athletes should be able to relate to that, especially like fighters, because when you're in training camp, Daniel. <laughs> What is it that you do? Overtrain. In detail. All we do is run, spar, yes, wrestle, grapple, eat right, go to sleep. That's it. And then what do we do the day after that? Same thing. We eat, we run, we spar, <laughs> we grapple, <laughs> we wrestle, we eat, we sleep. It's a, honestly, dude, I, if I were to, like, some guy reached out to me recently. He's like, hey, bro, I want to start fighting. This guy started training for a month and he took an amateur fight in Fresno. Dude. He's fighting today. Ooh. I told him, who's your coaches? He said, oh, I got a friend cornering me. Ooh. You know where he's training at? Where? His garage? Uh, a local gym in San Jose. Um, but I told him, I was like, hey, man, this is no game. Yeah. I was like, you've been training for a month. I was like, were you just curious about fighting? He's like, I just want to just kind of say I did it. I was like, uh. That's how people get hurt, bro. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know why? Because you might be fighting somebody who's so talented and is, has been doing it for years. Or is committed to it. And you know what he told me? I was like, do you know anything about your opponent? He's like, oh, he's, he's just a wrestler. I'm like, oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Does he have a Russian last name and a Muslim? Wait. What no, 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 no. He's not. He's not. Oh, he's, not okay, Russian. Like, he's not Russian. I don't thank God he's not Russian. <laughs> Does he have, what is it, like a Muslim last name yeah. and a Russian Bakachev. Is that is that his oh. opponent? Because if that's his opponent... Run. <laughs> Cut it. <laughs> Run. But it's it's crazy to me how I mean, I respect yeah. he's willing to jump in yeah. there. Yeah. But do I, it right. <laughs> yeah. Do it right. There's a th- I was like, cause you wanna when you're in there, you wanna look like you belong in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. especially in the, with the internet era, bro. Like, hey, you get knocked out by somebody, you're gonna be in the internet, bro. Yeah. That's but what it is. but I understand well, what's her name again? The Olympian that dropped Simone Biles. Simone, yeah. Yeah. I understand her not being able to show up. Like you said, it happens in fighting. It's, fighters should deal with it. All, all athletes understand yeah. that. When you're an athlete, you really understand. Yeah. 
it all depends. Like the winner and loser, it all depends who shows up that day. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Dude, like it's funny. When I fought uh, the Hawaiian, my last loss, uh, he beat me first round. TKO'd me. Yeah. And I was just like, be like confused. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck just happened? But it's funny because I was studying tape on this guy. Like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But I didn't show up. Yeah. I still entered, but yeah. I didn't show up. Yeah. So every athlete, we all understand that. Even in, it happens in training too. Yeah. You yeah, know? It happens more often in training than you think. Always, man. And you always have shitty days. It's funny because the comparisons that people are making are like, oh, imagine if LeBron James didn't show up at halftime or imagine if Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't show up at halftime in the finals. And I'm like, listen, if they have a bad game, they shoot three for 15, whatever. They have a bad game. Yeah. You know what a bad game in gymnastics looks like? You're... You're gonna fucking fuck. neck. Yeah. You know what a you know what a bad game of fighting looks like? Brain damage. Like, bro, like these people the they stay though, in your lane. But, but the thing is this too. The thing is this too. That's the the tangent or sorry, the, the flip side to that is everybody is so opinionated and so so held deep on their own opinions that they are not willing to listen to what you have to say. Because it is not a listening society, it is a hearing society. I hear what you're saying, but this is what I think. Yeah. It's not I listen to what you have to say and understand what you're saying now, right? And that's kind of, you know, that's what I meant by the projections thing. Like, it's so funny to me how easily people are like, well, you have so much money. What's wrong? Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't freak out about anything. You have so much money. And I'm like, um, people are crazy. so they're not human anymore because they have a lot of money. Well, and what I mean by projection is then that means you, my friend, are so fucking concerned about this rat race money shit. Yeah. That you now have taken humanity away from people just like you. Yeah. I'm sorry they're on TV. I'm sorry that they make millions of dollars. But that doesn't mean that shit, they stub their toe. They're probably going to feel like shit that they do. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Fuck. Like, they're not invincible. Yeah. They're not Superman. No. They feel, they feel. they're on TV and they got millions of dollars. Shut up. But that's the thing. They need to stay in their lane. Yeah. That's honestly, that's kind of like, that's my, that's kind of how I dove deep in that. And, you know, again. The things that Brittany and I had talked about, again, going backwards to, to our main to our main point, the thing that Brittany and I were talking about was just like these traumas and like these things. And as soon as I kind of recognized it and it was given its space, I then started to understand that there are things I just need to let go and there are things that I just need to be grateful for for myself. Like I'm already, when I moved to Long Beach, dude, I kind of went on this like, it was after a really bad breakup. <laughs> um, I went on this like journey for myself just to be more grateful to be more present to just be here because the thing is life is constantly moving bro yeah. life is constantly moving right it's not gonna stop for you no but just because it's not gonna stop for you doesn't mean you didn't get to enjoy what's in front of you fuck yeah man and to me that's so important because like man I've been moving everywhere bro I never settled down in one space and yeah. now that life literally has told me to slow the fuck down I I just take it in now, yeah. you know, like, and that's one of the things that she helped me with. That she helped me like really um, recognize about myself, and you know, and she used astrology to do it. Like, sure, it, some people think it's horseshit, and again, I'm not gonna be like, I'm not gonna knock something down that somebody believes in. That's yeah. just that's how you cause problems, of course. So to me, the fact that we got to that point. I mean, it didn't really matter how we got there. We got to that point where we fished that thing out about myself, made it 
made it more tangible for myself to to accept. And now I feel like so many good things have been happening to me, you know? Mm. Like, I caught my second wind of, of PT and recovery after that conversation. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why. Because my mind finally let go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I hold strong in, in, like, these methods to try and get your mental state to be where you, one, really genuinely unconditionally love yourself mm-hmm. and then two you pass that on to other people yeah and then three and ultimately it's like just be grateful dude like you know no matter what person did you wrong be grateful because that person may have done you wrong but then what'd you learn about it about yourself like i i like uh i like all the good shit and the bad shit yeah you know what i mean because it's balance bro like balance of opposites i i, I grew up and i i I always talk about that. I say um, I was able to see the good and I was able to see the bad and I implemented the good, but that doesn't mean I'm not grateful for the bad shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it it showed me how I'm able to go through difficult things and still take that next step. Yeah, I'm still right there. Yeah. Just like when you sparred and you beat my ass, I was still there. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I said, that's what... Ultimately, that's what gained my respect and gained my, you know, like my love for you as a yeah, brother. Because, yeah. like, what? There's only a very handful of people that actually ever fight, right? But even if you get there, yeah, like, shit, like I said, one my, my one big regret is not going pro. Yeah. But the thing is, we were in a in an environment where this shit was bred. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like, that level of pride is in you. Yeah. So... The fact that it's such a small percentage of people that actually even know about it, man, I just, you know, I'm not saying everybody should go and be a fighter. No, because the thing is, everybody has their own battles to live. But you got to remember, like, be a little more compassionate, be a little empathetic towards what people are going through. Because, like, you don't know, man. You don't fucking know. And the thing is, you know, like, like you said, the good shit and the bad shit, that that tends to shape us. Because what do you remember the most? You know, sometimes people remember negative things the most. Yeah. And then they they then go to that negative path. But like why don't you just remember those negative things? If you remember those negative things the most, see how it infl- uh, impacted you positively. Like relationships. <laughs> like for instance, there's this person that I know who always complains uh of the bad shit. Yeah. And I I told her to pause. I said, "You know, every time I see you, it's there's something always wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong going on all the time with you guys. Yeah. Why don't you ever talk about the good shit? Like literally, yeah. it never comes out of this person's mouth. I'm like, is it because you want to gossip? Cause you could <laughs> gossip about what good shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like me and you, it's like, what do we, we never talk shit. We, we, we fuck around, but, but we're, we're like truth talking. You know what I mean? We're not shit talking. Well, that's the thing, right? And this is one of the hardest things people will do. You have to be unequivocally, unapologetically, undeniably honest with yourself. Yeah. No matter what it is. Because as soon as you do that, as soon as you can stare, look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm just going to be honest with myself. You're going to go over a bunch of these humps or a bunch of these barriers, right? Yeah. Because 
I mean, if you can't be honest with yourself, you're going to live in this, like, misery. Because you got to realize that, yeah, there's a lot of bad shit in life. But life balances itself out. For the amount of bad shit, there's a lot of good shit. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're constantly focusing on the big bad shit, you're missing a, a lot of the... It may be small good shit, like shit. You're like, LA traffic. I don't have to deal with it because I live in Long Beach. <laughs> and I, I work in Long Beach. So I don't have to deal with it. But like, you know, say I, I catch like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to downtown LA or whatever. I catch traffic. Uh, say I get upset about that. Yeah. Okay. But then now my mind will go, well, how could I prevent that? You know, and then when I get there, say I'm like meeting with a friend or whatever, like now I get to enjoy myself. I'm not going to carry that negative energy just because yeah. there was traffic that I didn't expect. Now I'm running 15 minutes late. Like, yeah. no, nah, man, like life's too short, bro. Yes. Life's too short. I have a I have a much simpler question for you. All right. Simple. Uh, and it's about life. All right. Uh, what is the meaning of life? To me? To you. That's a good question. Um, unconditional love. Why I say that is because you have to unconditionally love yourself. You have to unconditionally understand how to love others because when you do that man it's just like you just kind of build off of a very positive foundation yeah because you become more empathetic you want to you want to try and listen to people you want to try and see people for who they are not for what what they think they they may be or whatever you know like you want to just be able to spread this like positivity i guess but it's not even positivity because there's worth in positivity and negativity in life, right? It has to even out. It's yin and the yang. It's, it's balance, right? Yeah. And the one thing that never really has to be balanced is like the way you love people, the way you love yourself. Yeah. Because you can pour into your cup as much as you can. But if you start pouring too much to others, right, then what, what's left for you? But you also have to realize what place it's coming from. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. Because the thing is like, yeah, I mean, I know that sounds like such a loaded answer, unconditional love, but it's really more like, you know, everybody wants to be happy, but they don't know how to get there. Yeah. But, because that, that was actually the first thought in my mind. I was like, well, happiness. Yeah. And I was like, wait, pause. So the first thought in my mind was happiness, right? But that's the one thing that I learned when um, I spoke to Brittany about, you know, like trauma in life and these things, right? Because we always we all want to be happy and we all define happiness differently, right? But it starts from you. And I know that's so cliche. That's a freaking meme. Yeah. <laughs> happiness starts with you, but it really does. Yes. It, it starts with the things you say to yourself, the things that you do for yourself, yeah. and the people you include in your life, right? Because that, that external stimuli is the last thing. Yeah. Because those first two things are the two things you work on. Because the thing is, like, you can't think that you're so happy when the first thought in your mind is, like, I'm not good enough. Or, like, what I have isn't worth, it isn't, isn't enough for me. Like, no, man. Like, you really want to be happy, you got to learn how to love yourself the right way. Yeah. And what that means is, like, you, are, you should be able to forgive yourself. Should it, you should be able to, you know, not overly criticize yourself. Don't get me wrong. It's good to, to be to be critical of yourself. It's good. It's healthy. Cause you then push yourself. You motivate yourself, right? 
And again, apparently that's lacking nowadays. I don't think so. I just don't think that people either say the right things to themselves or ask themselves the right questions. Agreed. And so to me, yeah, to your ans- to, to your question, what is the meaning of life to, to me? Unconditional love. It's beautiful. And it has to start with you, your thoughts, your feelings, the things you do for yourself. And then ultimately, well, I guess the people you surround yourself with, and then ultimately the things you do for others. Because yeah. that's the last thing on the list. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite of life is obviously death. Death. Okay. Are you afraid of dying? <laughs> Hell no. You're, you're going to embrace it? Uh, not that I embrace it. Um, okay, so kind of like the same train of thought, right? Like, um, I feel as if I've lived a very good life. I'm learning how to distribute love and, and empathy towards other people. Like, don't get me wrong. Am I still a little shit? Yeah. I still talk a lot of shit? Yeah. But the thing is, like, I I do it in jest, and I do it to be, I guess, you know, to joke around and try to make things light. A lot of the world right now, we're dealing with heavy shit. So if I can make you laugh just by, like, casually insulting you because I think your shoes are fucking ugly or like oh hey nice haircut but like you know what I mean like yeah. it's kind of like poke at you a little bit and you know I'm doing it in jest yeah like you know that that to me is like okay like I'm doing something yeah but I don't necessarily embrace death I see it more as the inevitable like we're all gonna die but am I scared of it no cause I'm really more like I hope that I go and my time is my time is my time yeah. because one I would hate it if I went and my parents saw that yeah that would be that's like the one thing that I fear that I guess yeah if I was to fear death it'd be that part yeah um, but I feel as if if I live the life that I want to live which you know for the most part I feel like I've accomplished like if we're buffering right this is life and it's buffering I think I've I've done like a solid you know like I'm 31 so yeah like 30 percent of my yeah. life is just pretty good and, you know I have enough memories I have enough love around me I have you know I have enough faith in me like faith from people I'm not I'm not very religious I'm spiritual but I'm not religious but, like faith isn't like you know you trust me yeah like you can look me in the eyes and know that hey I need something I call Joey it's probably gonna happen yeah right so. To me, that's that's that is important as far as like realizing what life is, and like I said, like I'm not really afraid of it. I think that so long as I live a full life, you know, I want to have kids. Shit, yeah. As long as I have a full life, and I'm happy, and I've helped people, and you know, because my job has a very gratuitous feeling to it, but like neither here nor there. Um, as long as I've helped people genuinely without really asking for anything back or like whatever yeah, i'll be good i'll be good to go like i even told my brothers dude like i already have a plan hey cremate me and spread my ashes on this uh so when we lived on guam we lived by a, like close to a cliff and there used to be a house that ended up down it's called the plat yeah i mean it's named other things but i remember it as the plat i told my brother when when i die and you know hopefully i go before you yeah yeah I want you to take my ashes, spread them on the plot. And that's where I want to be for the rest of whatever universal existence I may have in this world. 
Can I have some of the ashes? Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Yeah, that's chill. I'll just... You, no, you know what? You know what would be cool? You know what would be cool? Put some of my ashes in plants. <laughs> it's like the best weed ever. <laughs> it's like the, the, the plot to how high, bro. That's, that's how it is. No, but like... I mean it, though. I mean it. Like, I think that'd be pretty cool, actually. I never thought of that. Like, yeah. Kind of like, you know, if people really want me to be a part of their life still after I go. Like, I, I would I would love that. Like, if yeah. say if you wanted to be cremated and, yeah. like, I would still want a little bit of joy around. You know yeah. what I mean? Just like, Even if it, it is. That's a plant. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Like, that'd be I'm, awesome. not, I'm not against it. That'd be cool. I've learned that it's just like any any day is a good day to die. It, well, it sounds, what makes you say that? What makes you, what makes you, what makes you want to take your train of thought towards passing? I'm just... I'm very curious about life and death. Mm. Um, but the way I live my life specifically, it's it's just like we talk about is love mm. as much as I can. Like, I mean, you saw it right now. I see my family. I give them that deep yeah. hug. Yeah. My brother lives here. My brothers are about to live here. Mm. And one of them, like we see each other every day now. But like when I come home from work, he gets up from his chair and he, he acknowledges me. Mm. Not hi. Yeah. He gets he up from love. his chair yeah. and he he hugs me and like yeah. you know like that's beautiful man. yeah it's it's like and I see him every yeah. day we yeah. comes home from, and he's gonna come home from work I'm gonna give him another hug you know it's just we're this morning I saw him this morning when I when he left I gave him a hug yeah. gave him a kiss love you my man you know it's yeah. so I feel like I've lived my life very I, I I just feel like I've lived a beautiful life in my 26 years that if I went right now if I died right now it'd be a good day to die because my life was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Kind of thought, right? Yeah. You, you feel as if you filled, you filled your cup. Yeah. Right. But here, here's the one thing to think about too, though, with that same, with that same train of thought, I guess life always comes in phases. Yeah. Right. So you may feel like, Hey, I've filled this cup. You know, you have another cup to fill and it's a little taller than the last one. Yeah. That's usually how, the, how the shit goes. Like, you know, I don't want to sound arrogant by saying that, but like, there's something that I've noticed. Like, since 2017, since moving to SoCal, man, I've had to dig deep in myself and really like learn about myself because I was sheltered. I'm an, I'll admit it, I was fairly sheltered. Yeah. I would say that. I mean, like I said, like my family and I struggled, whatnot, at one point, but I never had to worry about a fucking meal in my life. Right. I never had to worry about a bed that I need to sleep in yeah. a house over my head. Yeah. That's how amazing my parents are. Yeah. But the fact that I was sheltered in that, that was the only world I knew. And then I stepped out into the world and got introduced to more people who had less, but did more that, that really sunk in my head. Yeah. Because now it's about, Okay. Like I said, listen and understand. Like, I want to listen and understand what people have to say about their lives, about themselves. Especially, you know, like, I don't know everything. Yeah. I, I'm glad I don't know everything. We never will. And that's the beauty of it, too. I'm so happy because that means I get to learn more things. Like, whenever I have a client, we have this thing called an in-body scan at work. And they're always fucking scared to do it. Because they're like, yeah. oh, it shows I'm, everything. Yeah, all like, like, oh, yeah. I don't want to see, like, my fat, my body yeah. fat percentage and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like. Listen, I want you to put this perspective in your mind. Whatever numbers we get here determines the size of the canvas you have. And they're yeah. like, canvas? I was like, 
because you're going to make yourself a work of art and whatever that work of art is, is whatever you want it to be. Yeah. So if, if your numbers are, you don't like your numbers, perfect. You have an even bigger canvas now to do what you want with it. Yeah. And that's just, that's the same shit with life, dude. Yeah. Like, it's so funny how like, again, going back to fighting, fighting gave me the basis, the lens of life. And then I just kind of trickled to everything else in life. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, so I'm, dude, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Cause like, the best days in sparring were always the hardest ones. Am oh, I right? God, yeah. Yeah. Always. But how shitty did that feel in the moment? It sucked. But when you walk away, it's like, I remember when you beat my ass those days, I go up to Myron and I I let him know. I'm like, hey, am I just a body bag? Like, it, lose, yeah. I, because I, I, I was, I was pissed, bro. I always, honestly, I thought I was being used no. as a, as a, as oh a, God, I'm sorry. no, no. <laughs> This dude, no, as I was told, because I was like, I'm not, I'm not here to waste my time. Because I yeah. thought nobody was paying attention to me yeah. back then, and I was like, look, I'm, I'm here, man. I'm, I'm getting my ass whooped. Yeah. I'm putting my time in. Am I just a sparring partner? Because I'm trying to be a fucking fighter. Yeah. And he was like, no, 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 bro, keep coming in, man. We, we'll get you. And then he put me under his wing. Yeah. Because when I came up to him and told him that, yeah, you know, and you know, that's that's the beauty of it, right? Like. I said, like those days are always so frustrating. You question yourself, yeah. but then look, we look back at it now. We're laughing about it, and look at you, bro. You got more pictures than I do fighting. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you got you actually have a belt. I never got one of those. I know. I always, uh, I, even when I was amateur, say if uh, anybody told, like the coaches told us, like, oh, you're ready to go pro, and I was like, no, I want a belt first. That's yeah. I think that was like a thing, right? They all wanted us to have a belt. I, I always wanted one. Oh. I always wanted a well, belt. The beauty of it is like, I think you and I, or you mentioned it earlier. This belt that you have is this one in the picture. And this was like when you finally figured out. That's why I hung that up. Yeah. There's because a reason that, why. That's, yeah. That's, that's your, that's your memento. Cause that's when I first found me. Yeah. And that's what, that's the day when I became a champ. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, that's I mean, why it's that's, on that wall. And that's when you started believing in everything that you're doing and I get that I exactly get that. and that's yeah. why I mean I, I left fighting but I, I take whatever I learned from fighting and I put all that work ethic whatever I did into fighting and I do it yeah, to everything else I'm doing yeah. you know and that's you know that's that's something that when you're on the other side of it I don't think too many people talk about you know because like yeah you know obviously it gets glorified in my opinion but this, like fighting gets glorified I get that yeah but I think the best parts about the things that you learn while you're fighting is usually the after because you know you're a little more humble you're a little more you, there's a little more of a perception there about life yeah and like at work uh, they did this bio and this is going to sound familiar to you and they asked me oh what's a quote that you would describe yourself or what's a quote that you want to share to others or like a quote that describes something about you and I was like get comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah Exactly. How often do you hear that while we're in that fucking room? A lot. Yeah. A lot. Because it was like that was the whole that was the whole thing was in that of, room. Yeah, that was like the whole because we were always uncomfortable. Yeah. But and then it, it ended up being being free. Yeah. It took it, a lot of time though. What didn't we as like an amateur team go like twenty six and two or some shit? Yeah, we were fucking killing yeah. it, dude. Yeah. yeah. I re- to that one part like Hov came into the room too. It was like he acknowledged all of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was cool. I was like, damn, dude, like. Yeah. We just got to keep doing what we're doing, yeah. you know? And, you know, things just, you know, obviously, just the times. Times change. Things change. Life happens. Like, it is what it is, man. It is I, I want to bring up uh, entrepreneurship. All right. How does it feel for you 
to be able to give these people a different different momentum on how they see life, how you're able to upgrade themselves. So I think I touched it on it like a little bit earlier that it's gratuitous. Like my job is very gratuitous. Yeah. Because um, when somebody tells you, man, I never thought I could do that. Like something in you just is like, like, man, like I usually, in my mind, it's usually like, I'm so happy for you. Like, that's great. But what comes out is, okay. <laughs> like, yes. well, because like, I know you could, I, I knew that you you're could not surprised. You're not, not surprised. surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yes. And it comes off a little insensitive sometimes, but I'm like, if I believed in you to begin with, what the hell stopped you from believing in yourself to begin with too? Yeah. And so I guess to that same sense too, like, like I said, I've had clients who, fuck you, guys worth millions and millions of dollars. One of them was, he he was a PGA pro. I don't know if I can drop him in, but he was a PGA <laughs> pro and he like played Tiger Woods, I think like 300 tons or something or whatever. Some, some, Damn, that's some crazy number like that. Because I mean, they're constantly doing tournaments. Yeah, them, right. Yeah. And he said that, yeah, my best, my best two rounds was against Tiger. The only two, th- I mean, he like won one round with him or something like that. And I was Shit. like, that's so cool. So I guess entrepreneurship, I mean, I guess in the sense of business, I mean, you know, I always feel like it starts with an idea. It's always an idea. And the next thing you know, something happens where it makes sense and then it just snowballs. Yeah. And the next thing you know, like... If there's something that I learned, I mean, I guess I'm not necessarily entrepreneur quite yet. Like, sure. I No, you I'm, are. Well, I'm a personal trainer, right? But I also do online training. And then I have one-on-one training with uh, some clients that aren't part of my gym in SoCal, right? And obviously, I have to respect boundaries. Like, I'm never going to take a client from my gym and be like, hey, I can train you. I was like, no, that's just poor, poor like, ethics. Yeah. It's just awful. I hate when people do that. But... If they're not part of the gym, okay, yeah, let's talk. Why not? And in that way, it just kind of started being like, well, they want me. So, okay, I'll do that. And I'll just have to figure out structure. Yeah. And then this last thing is like, I actually train people online here in the Bay. And I think I have like, it's very small. And I think I have four clients right now. But man, I, like the positive feedback from them, like, oh, like the, the idea of, oh, I never thought I could be like this. Oh, I never thought this. And I'm like, what the fuck do I have to say to you people <laughs> for you to understand that you can fucking do this shit? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, why am I, why am I like that? Why am I trying to come at them this way? But it's because like, I have such a firm belief in people. I, I think people are greater than what they think they are, especially physically, because all you really have to do is put yourself and go do it. Yeah. And obviously, like, you have to have a guiding eye that actually knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, you just have to be able to, to really communicate these things to people because, man, anybody's capable of anything, bro. Well, okay. <laughs> people are capable of great things. Yeah. They just have to, one, be validated. Well, believe in themselves first because it always comes from you. Believe in yourself first. And, and, <clears throat> Have the resources and then have people who validate that for you. Okay. So to me, that that's like the key to, that's the key to like entrepreneurship is like just be able to kind of get over these fears. Cause I, I feared 
online training. Mm. I, I was afraid of it because I was like, well, I'm not there to like watch exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you'd rather be there personal. Yeah, like, I'd rather like be right there, there. With my eyes and I'm like, hey, okay, this is bugging you. We need to adjust this. Hey, this is bugging you. We need to adjust that. Hey, this is bugging you. We need to adjust that. But then I realized like, what am I scared of? Like, just explain it as best as you can. Or if, if it doesn't work, cool, move on to the next thing or go backwards. Yeah. That's the thing. People are so afraid to, like, in general, people are afraid to reset, restart. You know the best part about resetting and restarting? Everything is new. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. You know? It's a, again, it's an empty canvas. Yeah. People are so afraid of that. Why? You got to welcome that shit. You got to welcome that shit. Yeah. I want to bring up... uh women for instance uh what is the one thing that you look for in a woman fat ass i'm just kidding <laughs> just kidding not um, kidding yeah. just... uh, about 10 years ago yeah fat ass but um that's a okay that's a good question um see that's a really loaded question right cuz okay i said one pick a variety of things because one is too it's too difficult to choose because i like a variety of things uh-huh. especially when i look for a woman yeah so yeah i was i should have no, 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 adjusted no, no, that no. question a little bit better because no, no, one no, thing no, is no. tough that, that, that's, a, that's a really good question because yeah. the thing is there is not one answer right right yeah exactly but we all have this idea in our head of this perfect woman yeah right as a man you have okay as a good man let's just put the good <laughs> as a good man you have an idea of of the good woman for you and you know part of me wants to say somebody that i can have like these intelligent conversations with and like relate to but i've had that and i wasn't happy yeah right um so to answer that question it's somebody who oh wow that's that's the whole theme of this is somebody who has figured out how to love themselves herself because you know everybody we we all have our own battles we all have our own things and like on the surface i I, i've kind of had to deal with this recently because um (laughs) i had to share a little bit (laughs) i had to deal with this a little bit because i mean i'm 31 and i come from a filipino background for the most part filipinos they get married early like in their mid-20s or whatever and I'm, like I said, I'm 31. So my parents and my family in the Philippines are fucking, they're like, bruh, what's taking forever? Yeah. You know, and my mom is the matriarch of our family. Like, she is, like, the decision maker. Yeah. And I'm our oldest son. And I'm the sixth grandchild of 19. Where one through five ha- is married with kids, or is married or and have, has kids. Yeah. And I think two of my younger cousins are also married. And one of them has a kid. So what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, my dad and I had this conversation um, uh, on the first time the thing shut down. Or I guess like the, the shutdown. Yeah. yeah. After three months or whatever. When I was up here. He asked me, like, do you even want to get married? I was like, of course I want to get married. Like, I want to I want to be married. I want to I wanna have kids. I want to do, you know, the, the whole nine. So the fact that I'm taking my sweet time with it. Don't you think I'm doing myself due diligence by like taking my time, really getting to know these women and like really knowing what I want in front of me? Because in Filipino culture, like at least Filipino culture in the Philippines, which my mom and my dad grew up in, 
divorces are don't really happen. Yeah. It's a taboo. Mm -hmm. So his fear for me is I marry somebody here. We get divorced. Fuck. Like, oh, poor kids. Right. But in my opinion, why I'm doing what I'm like, why I'm taking my sweet time with it. I'm doing my due diligence so that doesn't happen, you know, so that like, hey, like my kids do have a mom and a dad. You know, and they were always there or whatnot, yeah. you know? And so I guess to answer your question, what is, <laughs> what, what is it? What do I look for in a woman? Mm -hmm. That capability of being honest with yourself and undeniable, you know, uh, unconditional love for yourself, for others. And I know that sounds so philosophical and preachy and almost like downright not, not, not real, but like at the very basis, that's what I look for. At the very base, because you have to recognize that shit, right? If you worked on yourself, you have to be able to recognize that shit. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, obviously there are the real world things, too. Like, of course I wanted to be fucking gorgeous. I don't want to have ugly babies. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, and the thing, too, that, that I come to realize a lot is, uh, well, two things. And I guess we're going to get a little graphic. But one of them, before I get to that part, is I want somebody to share a similar taste in music with me. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, I've had a hard time really um, expressing my emotions, mm -hmm. communicating my feelings. Like, I talk a lot, but I don't really know how to communicate. Really? Yeah. I, 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 dis I don't disagree with you a lot. I disagree with you there because you communicate very well. I communicate well now. <laughs> <laughs> I communicate well now, but the thing is like, oh, okay, well, I guess in the, in the situation with a woman, I don't communicate well because I always feel like, I want you to be just yourself. As yeah. a woman, I want you to be yourself. Be the woman that you think and know and feel and believe that you are. Yeah. Right? So if you if you bring that to the table, great. I'm going to bring myself to the table and we'll see how it fits. Yeah. Right? So to me, music has always kind of been that um, that middleman where um, it, it, it gives me a chance to express how I feel without saying it mm. so i mean i met <laughs> i met one one in my life and she's happily with someone right now uh, now i'm saying right now with, you know, <laughs> it's not i swear it's back home but, um, uh, she's happily with somebody now and you know i met her at 20 in 2014 you know 24 year old me you remember that guy? Yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely was not in this mindset of just, you know, trying to be the best person I can be for myself, the world, whatever. And she was great, man. She was, uh, I would say, like, first real love, I would say. Yeah. And I didn't even know it. And funny enough, the way it ended was we were on the roof of my mom's old house on the east side. And she asked me, so where do you think this is going? You know what I said? What? My ego spoke and said, this is not going anywhere more than it is right now. Oh, fuck. And then, what, seven years later, I still talk about her? Yeah. Because I remember she and I had this, like, unspoken bond. Yeah. And we still kind of do whenever we talk, or, like, the chances that we do talk, because then it's always light. Yeah. You know, with a woman, especially when you, when you, again, when you're trying to work on yourself and all that, with a woman, 
When she can make you feel light. You know that whole whole clip about like be his piece. Yeah. Like that shit. <laughs> like it's almost a joke, but it's also like, man, that's so true though, because like the right woman will bring out parts of you that you didn't know. Yeah. And I can say that only because like, yeah, I've only really had like two real relationships, I will say, and I will admit to. But you know, I, I've been around women before, you know. I've been around the block and But there's a there's a there's only few who actually leave a mark. Oh yeah, dude. Oh absolutely. And this I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna drop a name. But <laughs> <laughs> she she definitely was like one of those people that just kind of touched into my soul. Yeah. And dude, because I remember when I met her, this was when, right before I fought Hector, uh, no, was it before I fought Hector? Well, it was before my third fight, which, you know how you said that your uh, your title fight, your last amateur fight, when you won that belt, was like, when you knew that, oh, this is fluid, this is me, whatever. That year, 2014 for me, was the year that I figured that out. Yeah. And that was when I met her, too. And, you know, like, you know, we just communicated without communicating and it just felt so good and she made me feel so light and when I told her like yeah no I want to be in the UFC I want to fight I want to do this I want to do that she's like oh my god I fucking support that like I think those were her exact words yeah and for a girl in her like early 20s to tell you like oh my god I support that yeah and not think of anything else like yo that's kind of dope like you don't really get that yeah like you don't feel that kind of honesty I guess but you know neither here nor there yeah Um, I guess and the third thing is picture over here on your wall i don't know if you're you're uh it's easy yeah okay i know the audience sees that but like this like this experience this fucking passion this level of intimacy i've had that too yeah you know where it's like when a woman touches your skin and you just feel like you're on fucking fire the whole the outside and the inside is like going nuts god you like you're so fucking awake yeah like life is happening right fucking now and And then you guys have sex and like I always talk about like the after sex, like that after where you're like, <sighs> like what was that? <laughs> like what just happened? Like this fucking hurricane whirlwind of like, yeah. just passionate, intimate shit just yeah. fucking happened, bro. Like, what is this? Yeah. And once you get a taste of that, what the fuck? Yeah. Like if a woman, like not even if a woman, but you, if you can't have that. With another woman, you're just like, what am I doing? Exactly. Like, what is this anymore? Like, yeah. when, like I, I used to work at the bars, bro. So obviously, casual sex was a hobby of mine too. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it was just when I had those a couple, like that the 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 chick or the woman that I was talking about. Yeah. I had that with her, but I had that with another woman as well. So I guess I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed that I actually had I've experienced that with two different women in my life. Right? Yeah. You can have good sex and you can even have bomb sex, but there's like that, like that. Yeah. Where it's like everything is in color and you just don't know what's going on. Time stops. Like that shit is real. Yeah. That shit is fucking real. Yeah. And you know, again, it sounds so fucking romanticized and I sound fucking philosophical and all that shit, but this shit is real. But if you don't go out there and put yourself out there, you will never fucking know. Mm-hmm. That's just the simple truth. So I guess to answer your question, those are the three things. It's funny. Uh, usually when we have family parties here, 
um, there are some of my uncles are very religious. Uh, my family is very Christian. Okay. I don't really consider myself a specific religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they come over, they obviously look at the picture and be like, "Hey, you know, can, can you take it down? Because <laughs> you know we have you know we have people over." Yeah. I was like, "What's what's wrong with that?" It's like, well, it's kind of inappropriate. I was like, "Sex is inappropriate." I was like, "Is sex taboo?" I was like, "Dude, you have five kids. <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about?" Yeah, that's the. Uh... Again, that's the hypocrisy of religion, right? I mean, I guess if we can dive into that a little bit. It's like <clears throat> they have these specific set rules, specific set standards, specific set beliefs that they don't really abide by. Yeah. To an extent. To an extent, of course. Like, obviously, there's some like people who <laughs> actually do it. But, like, you know, like I said, I grew up Catholic, bro. So... It's like be you know being being righteous, not like in the sense of like oh he's gonna be right, but like <laughs> do good unto others and others will do good unto you. Yeah, maybe right. But yeah, you judge people for what they do, and you're judgmental of of lifestyles. Yeah, you know being gay, being trans, whatever it may be. But then also scream out. None can judge me but God. But so does that make you God? Because you judging those people. Yeah. Fuck's wrong with you, man. Like let people be. They ain't hurting you. They ain't hurting you. Yeah. If somebody, if somebody is doing something in their lives and doesn't hurt you or your family or anything you care about or anyone you care about specifically, tangibly, leave them the fuck alone. Yeah. You're adding more stress to your life trying to control other people. Yeah. You know, it's like everybody. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> have you have you ever dabbled with uh, psychedelics? Oh yeah, twenty seventeen. Did did it have like a really big impact on you? Yeah, actually, it has. Like honestly, <laughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, <laughs> it honestly had a very positive effect on me. So, like I said, in twenty seventeen, I moved to SoCal, and um, I was going through a breakup, and it was you know it was my first adult relationship, and. I was like 26, 27 at the time. So obviously, like I said, culturally, I'm supposed to be married and all that stuff. And I thought that relationship was going to be like that because it, you know, it kind of checked a lot of boxes. That relationship checked a lot of boxes. But, you know, it it imploded because like we were like a meteoric rise. We were like fucking great. And then we found out the things we don't like about each other. Yeah. And I still had like my own issues and I didn't really grow up yet. And then. As fast as it went up is as fast. If not, it went down twice as fast. Yeah. And 2017, um, I was living with my brother and two roommates. And we were like, hey, we're going to do acid this weekend. And I was like, fuck, like, what if I have to face my demons, bro? Like, I'm scared. And they're like, dude, it's fine. You're around, you're around us. It'll be fine. Like, it'll be casual. It'll be just us. It'll be cool. And I was like, all right, all right, why not? Like, I actually made that my, my mindset when I turned 27 was like, stop being so rigid. <laughs> Funny enough, right? Stop being so rigid. Stop saying no to things that you don't know anything about. Yeah. Just open your mind and be, be open to things and say yes to things a little more. Cause you never know, dude. Like you don't know. You don't know until you cross that fucking bridge. Yeah. So, I did uh, LSD for the first time, I think, in, like, 2017. I had three epiphanies that night. And funny enough, we were fucking barreling to IHOP to go get food, bro. I swear. Sounds hella good. It was, like, you know, like, at 2.30 in the morning or something. Because we started our trip at, like, 6, 6 p.m. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we were going to IHOP. And funny enough, I was on Instagram. 
and I was like scrolling through my thing, and again, I'm not gonna drop too many names, <laughs> but there was this girl that I remember her from the bar days, and safe to say, you know, I I know that she has implants. I yeah. know. Yeah. And definitely been witness to it and all these things. <laughs> and um, she's like happy with her man. And for some reason, that that triggered something in my head. And it's actually the whole like the staying in the lane thing. But really, it's like we all have our own paths on our own times. Yeah. So like, why am I tripping about anything? Because yeah. whatever is on my path is supposed to be on my path. That's not necessarily religious, spiritual, but like. I'm on my path. If I see a fucking strawberry patch on my path, okay, I'm going to go pick that, yeah. right? So it's like, I'm on my own path and I'm going at it on my own time, right? And that was the very start of me just like opening my mind to things and being really um, ac- accepting of myself in small bits and pieces. And that was my first one. And that was one epiphany. The other one was, um, yeah, the being honest with yourself, right? Yeah. Don't don't sell yourself short by thinking X, Y, and Z, but really understand what is in front of you and just be honest with yourself about what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And then since then, I've kind of made it more like uh, an habitual thing where it's like, I don't do it often. I do it maybe like every three to six months, if that, if that. But I always tend to do it whenever I am going through something, like my own mental struggles, like... You know, like I said, right now, like as far as far as women goes and relationships go, like my mind is often towards uh, is often looking towards that settling down and long term thing. But I mean, shit, you won't catch me going to the bar and not trying to hook up with a girl. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's really like you know, like realizing or every single time I do it, it's so that I can open my mind to something kind of reset my brain or I guess like reset the pathways that are created in my brain so that I can see a different perspective you know like I've come to I've come to terms with my ego multiple times because of that the first thing that made me come to terms with my ego is fighting because you can't have that when you're fighting Mm -hmm. you can't be emotional you have to be so like dead to your emotions when you're fighting Mm -hmm. because then you have to have the clearest mind so that was the first thing like fighting to not necessarily took my ego away, but let me, let me have the control. Let me have the reins to my ego. And then when I went through that breakup, my emotions ran so high that I was being really destructive. I was being destructive and self-destructive. Like I, I apologize to her. Like she knows who she is. I apologize to her for all the things that I've said. I apologize to her for, you know, the things that, that I acted upon. You know, I, we never had that conversation. So I guess, if this ever comes out that way or like whatever, you know, I want her to know. And I'm putting it on the universe too. Like, hey, I apologize for the things that I've done. You know, I was young, stupid, emotional. You know, I don't, I don't think poorly of, of her. She is who she is, whatever. And, um, whew, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like whenever I've done psychedelics, it's really more like to, to kind of reset the pathways in my brain and kind of just like, see something else for what it is and you know that's when i started journaling too like i have a journal i have two journals at home me too yeah and it's really it's really therapeutic because you just talk about it's like writing letters to yourself i i kind of do that to like do that a little more like i write letters to myself and 
you know, it's like levels of frustration that I may have with myself. But then, like I said, more recently, I started to, to change how I how I thought or how I think of myself and I perceive myself. So, you know, like, I think it's a good thing. I think everybody, it's healthy to do that. Yeah. Now, Anthony Bourdain, and my brother actually told me this, but Anthony Bourdain said, you don't want to do it as a masturbatory habit mm. because now you lose the value of it. Yeah. And... There's so much value in it because, man, you're, you're literally facing yourself and not in like a combative way, but like you're looking at yourself and the things that you're struggling with and then you sit this person down who is also you and be like, all right, man, let's talk about it. Hmm. You know, kind of like this, like this setting. Yeah. My last question to you. Yeah. You said you were 31, correct? Hmm? Yeah. And you're... 31 years of life. What is the greatest lesson you've ever learned? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, I guess it goes back to get comfortable being uncomfortable. It stuck with you. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, like, there's so much shit that can happen in life, dude. So much shit that can happen in life. If you don't know how to calm yourself down yeah. and see what's in front of you and just, like, pause... And be like, all right, there's something going on. I need to figure out the root of that something going on. And if it needs to be fixed, okay, I'm going to go fix it. If it needs to just be there for a bit and let it settle down and then you go address it, okay, I I need to sit down and wait for it to be addressed. Because life is fluid, man. Life's not a straight line. And life don't really give a shit about us. Life don't give a shit about nobody. Nobody. So, yeah, I guess, like, the biggest lesson I learned is that. And then one of the lessons, too, that, I mean, I guess that's the one big umbrella lesson. Uh, I mean, I've just had a bunch of fucking lessons, dude. Just, you know, I'm the oldest of three boys from a family who came from the Philippines. Like, I've always kind of had to learn from other people. Yeah. And the one thing that my dad did tell me, like, the one big piece of advice that to this day I kind of hold on to is be a man of your word. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, am I, like, batting 100 with that? No. But I'm doing my best. I do my best, too, because, like, I said, man, life is difficult. Life will throw so much shit at you. And I'm sure somebody's had a harder life than me, yeah. especially right now. But that doesn't take away from the fact that, hey, I've, I've had to dive in, think about the things that's happening to me, you know, and kind of focus in on that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess. That would be the ultimate thing. Get comfortable or be uncomfortable. That's what I would that's what I would put there. Any closing statements before we close this podcast? Man, I just want to say thanks for having me on here. Because I think this is cool. You know, it's very therapeutic. I mean like who am I, you know? I'm I'm your I'm your old training partner, I'm your buddy. And you're my brother. And, yeah, and I'm your you know, and we're brothers at arms yes. and we're brothers. Yes. And you know, you, you wanted to do this because this is like a way to, to have a conversation, but an honest one at that. And you know, for me, like the fact that I've been focusing on my own mental health, like I think that that's so important nowadays. You know, and to just be able to talk to somebody and and like be open about yourself, like trust is so hard, right? But I. I've always kind of felt that everybody deserves a level of trust. Everybody deserves a level of respect until they give you a reason not to, ha- not to give them both. Right. Yeah. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't trust anyone. 
because everybody's out there for everybody. Sure. Well, then why don't you just break that cycle then? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, you know, I don't know if I have a specific closing statement, but fill your life with gratitude, respect each other, show each other love, and just watch how the life gets good. I feel like this is the the less I've ever spoken in my podcast <laughs> because when the big brother speaks, you listen. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Literally. I mean, you know, like, well, you kind of preface, like, our relationship has always been this dynamic where it's like, hey, man, I'm not going to lead you astray. I'm going to tell you how it is. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I don't give a shit about your feedback. It's like, I'm going to just tell you how it is. Yeah. You know, and... You know, the beauty of us having this conversation is that it doesn't necessarily have all, it doesn't all have to be about fighting. It's so many other things. Yeah, because the thing is, we're we're in a, we're in a place in our life now where it's like, you know, I mean, you you know, you're in, you could say you're in your your mid-twenties now. Yeah. Right? And the thing is, you're trying to build wealth, you're trying to build assets, you're trying to do all these things, which is great because now... You're taking the lessons you have from fighting to life. Yeah. And you're trying to build something for yourself. And I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, we're all we're all on our different paths. We're all on our different times. And we're all just doing the best that we can, man. As simple as that. And Joey, man, thank you for for whooping my ass those days. <laughs> like truly, man. Like like those were the early days where I was like truly tested. Yeah. You know, yeah. like not as just as a young man, but me trying to be developed as a, as a fighter. Yeah. But during those times is where I learned so much from myself. Yeah, man. So much. You yeah, know I what I mean? to go through it. Yeah. I mean, shoot. Like, I shouted out Eric Luna earlier, and that Muay Thai team, bro, yeah. when I was starting out, they were the ones who handed me that. Yeah. I remember sparring with them, and tears were running down my face, and I was telling myself, you asked for this. Yeah. You wanted this. You asked for this. Yeah. So, like I said, Everything that that sounds smart and good that comes out of my mouth (laughs) or the things that I do is usually from somewhere that is either smarter than me, better than me, or whatever it may be. Yeah. And, you know, like, all these things that I've said, for the most part, I spun it to my own flavor, but it's it's coming from somewhere else, man. Yeah. You know? In my my intro, uh, when I was introducing you to the podcast, um, I say that you're one of the greatest people I know. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> and if I don't have a big brother, I don't. But if I did, it'd definitely be you. Thanks, man. For sure, man. But thanks, man. Joey, thank you for everything you do, brother. For me, for your family, just everything you do for people. Oh, thanks, it's, it's beautiful to see, man. And I really won't be surprised on all the success that comes your way. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll do my best. I love you, brother. I love you too, man. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Peace.